Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's episode, we have another special episode, and this is all about conspiracy theories. We have some friends come and join us on the show, and we just talk about conspiracies for a couple of hours. We have Brian from the Brian and Marco show. We have discussed conspiracy theories before with him, so we have him on the panel today. We also have Connor McLeod, also known as Canaman TV. He was on an episode a couple of weeks ago, and we discussed conspiracies with him, so he is on the panel too. And also, we have the host of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, Ben Bolin, coming to join us as well. And his podcast is specifically about conspiracy theories. A real good show, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't checked it out before. But anyway, let's move straight into it. There's not much else to say other than that, other than we have a New Year's special as well. If you're around on New Year's Eve, come and join us live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash high and homegrown for a live session and Come and smoke some joints with us if you are free. But if not, you know, Happy New Year. And we look forward to seeing you in 2024 when we return to our normal schedule. I hope you enjoy this conspiracy special. And I hope to see you on the live stream on New Year's Eve. But as usual, thank you for listening. And I'll see you at the end of this. Enjoy. Check. Oh, yeah. Yes. What's up, Ben? You good, bro? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How's everybody doing? Yeah, we're all good. We're all early. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Oh, I was just going to say uh, thank you for sending me uh, some links to these previous conversations. Uh, nice. You, got, you guys got in some really deep water, and it's a it's a pleasure to meet everybody. <laughs> uh, I've got to I got to apologize here. I know I'm the only guy. Uh, with the with the video on which i completely understand uh but i gotta tell you guys uh i know we're recording right now i almost took an edible but i'm saving it until after this <laughs> what okay okay no I, I understand actually you know taking it now about half hour through you're gonna be falling asleep it probably is a good idea to leave that till afterwards Oh yeah, well I'm not a pro like you guys. I would. <laughs> I'm not a pro I... with edibles either, mate. That they no. they ruin me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and I was thinking, I was telling her, I was like, these guys are so cool, and it's going to be so fun <laughs> to hang out with them. Should I take an edible? And then she, being the better half of the relationship, was like, <laughs> I've seen you on edibles. This is going to be an audio show, right? So you won't look as stupid as you do <laughs> when you're on edibles, but all of your contributions to the conversation are not going to make sense, Ben. No one cares if you think you can smell colors when you're high. So. <laughs> oh, we can. That's interesting. We want to know about your synesthesia, your cannabis-induced <laughs> synesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll quickly introduce you all because uh, this is the first time you're all experiencing each other. So uh, you've all been on the High on Homegrown before, which is uh, before, which is our show, the uh, the cannabis podcast. But we also have Brian and Marco from the Brian and Marco show. You want to say hi, Brian? Introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, this is Brian from the Brian and Marco show. Like Mackie was saying, uh, a 
pleasure to be with you guys, especially to talk about something as, as fun and as candid as conspiracy. Uh, we talk about cannabis weekly, so this is going to be a treat for me to be able to kind of just sit back and have a fun, candid conversation. And like yes. Becky said at the beginning of the show, uh, we're not here to offend anybody. There's going to be a lot of stuff that people are just kind of having fun with. And um, I, I don't think that anybody's coming here with a with the intention of trying to be negative in any way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well said, sir. Well said. Uh, and we also have Connor. Connor, do you want to say hello, mate? How you doing, guys? Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with Brian. They're just positive vibes. You know, conspiracies are fun. Um, they're real, but they're fun. And it's good to just talk about stuff in the safety of your own home. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was, what used to be the safety of our home? They're watching us, bro. They're, they're already dun, tuned dun, in. Dun. That's right. <laughs> and then we also to our NSA intern, by the way. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> of course of course and we also have ben and uh we're all like cannabis content creators well brian and myself and connor we're all cannabis content creators but ben is from a podcast called stuff they don't want you to know which is a conspiracy based podcast you want to introduce yourself there ben and tell people about yourself and your show Yes, yes. It's great to meet everyone. Uh, I am, for a long time, uh, I have been the creator and uh, co-host of a show called Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Uh, we apply critical thinking to everything from allegations of the paranormal to government cover-ups and so on. Um, you know, if you told us years ago what would be happening in the United States? Would we have made a conspiracy show? I don't know. That's up to history. <laughs> but uh, but we also, um, I think this might be interesting for everyone. Uh, we prefer the term conspiracy realist. The mm-hmm. idea of conspiracy theory, it became uh, just a phrase, became uh, so weaponized of late. Uh, and the hard truth of the matter is that often in the world of conspiracy, there is a grain of truth in some of this modern folklore. Mm-hmm. And we find that, that out more and more recently. It seems that the time in between a conspiracy theory being a theory and then being proved right has uh, reduced somewhat. It's only about six months now in between thinking it's a theory to it being real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we, there's so many different conspiracies out there, man. That uh, it's hard to like choose one specifically for us to to be discussing. And I wanted this to be like a '90s kind of conversation as well. You know, it's like no googling. It's so easy <laughs> for us to just be like, oh, we, we, let's go and find out what the actual facts are. We're not interested in actual facts today, everybody. All right. Well, we're just going to have a random conversation about some random things that we know uh, about different conspiracy theories. So I thought we could make a list and then we'll do a wheel spin for it to pick a specific topic for us to talk about. Uh, That that sound a good idea. That's a great idea, man. Stellar. Of course, we're we're going to have uh, the most, I don't know, there's like three main conspiracy theories, right? You have uh, JFK. Of course, we don't need to say more than that. We're just going to say JFK, you know, Lone Shooter, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, all that. We have 9-11, the moon landings. What else are we thinking? Well, well, to, to be honest, I mean, without putting too much of a dampener on it, the most recent global event, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. okay. We're, we're talking about everything today. No holds yeah. barred. 
YouTube. Mackey, what I was going to say, right. I was going to say as well is, uh, I was thinking about this before as well. I think yesterday when I was uh, just about obviously coming on, I was like the Alexandria Library. Like that's something that I know nothing about, Ooh. but that seems a bit conspiratorial. This huge wealth of knowledge gone. Yeah, burned. Yes. Okay, I've added that to the list. What are we saying, uh, Brian? Are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah, guys. Sorry, it, uh, Zoom started updating, and I lost you there. Oh for a God, it, it does that sometimes, mate. But uh, we're just uh, coming up with some suggestions for what we can talk about as specific conspiracy theories. You got any suggestions? Uh, well, one of the things that I thought was eye-opening is the the real truth behind Mother Teresa and Ooh. her. <laughs> her He's trying to get us banned, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she uh, she did a lot of work with uh, some dignitary type individuals. And then one of them that really stood out was a guy named Robert Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell's father. And he right. ended up uh, hanging out on his own boat uh, that was actually named Ghislaine after his uh, daughter. And mm. uh, supposedly he had a heart attack and fell into the water and uh, drowned. Now, <laughs> if you're really into conspiracies, like a lot of people, uh, the CIA has admitted that they have a heart attack gun. So those were uh, always things that I thought was kind of uh, fun and and kind of, th you know, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's it's interesting to think about if somebody could get shot with a heart attack gun and potentially die 30 minutes, an hour later kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like what weapons do they really have? Nice. So should I, should I add that one to the list? What should I oh, put please. that down as? Uh, I, I, I totally agree with this. Uh, I would say, I would say put it down as shenanigans. Right? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, shenanigans. Nice. Oh, uh, I thought this would be uh, good because again, I I defer to you all's expertise. But after after listening to some of your previous conversations together, uh, I think it would be really cool to talk a little bit about whether or not plants communicate and mm, okay. the nature of sentience. So, plants. Yeah, sorry, thing. just being clear, uh, I just did an episode on one of the uh, biggest problems in space exploration right now. I kid you not, it's fungus. They're, it's unstoppable. Uh, fungal life forms are probably a better candidate for uh, astronauts than human beings. Right. That's okay. interesting. Terms McKenna pops to mind there. Uh-huh. Yeah, just so, just so. Mm-mm. Uh, cartoons brainwashing kids yeah just go let's go for the the mainstream media i think that'll do then we have a what's that there's nine different subjects to talk about there you think that's enough i think that's enough we'll we'll, we'll spin the wheel and see which one comes up first is everybody ready is everybody ready, mm -hmm. is, all... ready. <laughs> <laughs> i was going to say we all got something to uh partake in but you don't want to hit your shit yet what milligram is it do you know ben have you taken these before Oh gosh. Uh you know what? I'll I'll tell you it's going to be a night of creative writing either way. Uh Right. So, <laughs> so uh I think this will be um well you know guys I'm uh, I'm I'm a rookie. Uh I'll I'll probably I've got some brownies. I'll probably take a little you know, uh, I'll probably take a fourth or a half cuz these are kind of we don't have legal dispensaries here uh right. in in georgia yet so it's kind of like you know a guy who knows a guy you know mm, so mm. and he's and he's uh you know i support small business 
<laughs> it's sport local businesses. It's the way to uh-huh. do it, you know? You're yeah, buying yeah, a kid yeah. dance lessons, you know? That's the way you got to think of it. <laughs> there we go. Hey, just real quick, uh, Ben, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, ended up uh, living most of my life in Savannah, Georgia. So just mm. putting it out there that it's, it's nice to... There's not too many people from Georgia where I live now in Colorado. Oh, nice. I got to get out your way, man. I had an invitation from the good folks at the Denver airport a while back because we did a show about them. And oh, yeah, that'd be a good uh, <laughs> number 10 right there. <laughs> I know excellent. a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good to meet. Well met. Uh, let me know next time you're in town. We can go get some uh, we can go get some chicken wings, get into some hijinks and some non massage shenanigans. <laughs> well, what are massage shenanigans? Oh, uh, going going back to uh, what what we were just talking about with the death of um, with the death of Ghislaine Maxwell's father on mm-hmm. the boat. Uh, in the <laughs> the the thing is with that guy, and I, I I don't want to violate our rules of the wheel, but just so everybody tuning in knows, uh, <clears throat> Maxwell himself the pater familius was uh deeply involved with israeli intelligence for mm-hmm. quite some time yeah it seems, it seems that way there's definitely plenty of evidence for that yeah, I've, I've added that to the list as well i've added um uh, the epstein list to, <laughs> to our list yeah. yeah and i also added flat earth which was popped up in there uh and then there's MK Ultra as well. We'll add that one and then we'll do a spin and we'll make a decision of what we're going to actually focus on for a little while. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, thanks for joining us, lads. It's going to be cool, nice, interesting conversation about conspiracy stuff. And I do like these conspiracy theories. Whether I believe them all or not is a different story. There's some which, of course, are undoubtable, but such as the Epstein list. That's one. I think out of all the conspiracy theories, the majority of people would agree that Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself, right? Yeah. That's got to be like 90% of people who, who don't see that any way that he could have uh, done that himself. But anyway, let's, let's wait until we spin that on the wheel before we talk about that. All right, I'm going to spin it. Here we go. It's spinning. What do we have? Oh, it's going to be the MSM, the mainstream media. Nice. Ooh. So we're already going to get shut down now. We can't speak against the narrative. This is it. If we go, everybody, it's been good. All right? I've enjoyed that. It's been good. Good so talk, main- everyone. Yeah. The mainstream media is obviously corrupt and crooked. Does anybody actually watch this crap anymore? Like any news network? So what about you, Ben? Do you watch any mainstream media? I like to, uh, I like to keep tabs. It's important to be aware of things but I, i've got to be honest with you guys and everybody tuning in it is a trip um for anyone who is not in the u.s when you travel to the u.s one of the things that immediately flabbergasts people is the just the sheer amount of commercials and then the uncanny similarity in talking points across mm-hmm. networks and and i i would say one of the one of the things i hope we can all agree on which is in my mind not at all controversial a very very small group of 
interlocking entities control the vast majority of what we call mainstream media. Uh, I most recently, like many people in my demographic, I'm a, I, I don't have cable. I'm a, I'm a cord cutter, as they call us, uh, in the boardrooms. And the last time I saw broadcast news was about two weeks ago. I was in the waiting room at a dentist office. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, and the stuff that they were talking about was stuff that I, I imagine any internet capable, curious listener would have already known about several weeks ago. Uh, there's a lot of uh, if it bleeds, it leads. So there are a lot of local crime stories. Uh, and and the funniest thing is that mainstream media follows a larger uh, a largely similar pattern across the planet i um i recently got back from japan i i barely got out but uh but the 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 funny thing there is i got to see the um like in in hk which is sort of japan's version of like the public news station and then i got to watch a lot of um whatever china's version of cnn is and I swear this was okay. This is right, like right around end of October, and all they were covering on NHK was scientific advances and the death of an actor from a U.S. show called Friends. So they would be like, "Look at how amazing AI is going to be." Also, this guy Matthew Perry is dead, and then I, I turned to uh, mm-hmm. the 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 Chinese stations, which were all about the vast resources that were now being properly recognized through China's Belt and Road Initiative. And then they would switch to Matthew Perry, uh, a celebrity. I don't know. I think the problem is mainstream media loves a face. They love a human interest story. So regardless of the systemic problems that Earth overall has, celebrity stories end up being a priority, which mm-hmm. I think is a disservice as journalists. Mm-hmm. It's shocking the state of the media to see the state of it now. The fact that the majority of people don't trust what they see on the mainstream news channels anymore. And it used to be a reliable source of information. Well, or, or even did it used to be a reliable source? Uh, it's, it's only more noticeable now because we have uh, you know alternative forms of media. Mm. Mm. it's it's uh interesting i don't trust these suckers any of them i don't trust any of them but, what do you guys watch what's what's the mainstream media in like continental europe and in the united kingdom and so on well i watch a lot of uh di- different youtube channels to get a different point of view on things uh i, I watched him pull not like i necessarily like it so because the content's bad but the stories they talk about interest me i like jimmy Dore. you know jimmy Dore. He, uh, he he presents the news across in the most balanced and fair way I've ever seen anybody do it. Jimmy Dore is uh, is really good. It's like just more mm. of a fair representation. I like that kind of thing in the middle r- mm. rather than trying to give us opinions, which we should be following, which they seem to do nowadays. You get presented with the facts and, you know, you get to make your own conclusion of what actually happened and how things are going down. Yet it's uh, curation, right? You mm, can mm-hmm. cherry pick facts to build a frame or a narrative. Yeah, yeah. I have to confess to you guys. Uh, I know we're an international group right now. I still have a subscription to The Economist, 
which uh, I I have because I want to uh, figure out what the uh, what the upper echelons are thinking about the world. But, and boy, some of those articles are tone deaf. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it's not the Economist isn't so bad. At least you didn't say the New York Times. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what were you saying over there, Ben? Because uh, not Ben, sorry, um, Brian. Because uh, you're in the USA as well, aren't you? What, what do you do to consume media? How do you get your news? Uh, to be honest, it's usually uh, late at night, and I, um, I kind of, if it's a big enough story, I'll try to look at it from like the Guardian, uh, mm -hmm. MSNBC, which oh. is obviously. You know, all these are one way or the other. Uh, mm -hmm. And then and then, you know, read that same kind of version of the article from CNN. There's a lot of highlights mm -hmm. now with a lot of this stuff. And you, you personally can see how uh, things are slanted to make sure that their readers, I guess, continue to read what they're saying. People mm -hmm. that are in the Fox News camp, if you say Fox News stuff, they get all excited. If you're in the CNN camp, you say CNN stuff, the CNN people get all excited. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy, isn't someone, it? Yeah, I, I think the average person needs to realize that if I'm going central, I would say that The Guardian is probably the closest to real journalism that's left on a grand scale. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. What about you, Connor? What's, what's things up in Scotland? You got, you got the same kind of issues as we have down here in England, don't you? So. Yeah, essentially. I mean, we've got obviously it's the BBC, which is the the know, echo chamber, right. really. You know, it's it's, it's awful. I mean, it's the Scottish uh, BBC. I mean, I don't know if it's the accent; it always seems more truthful. <laughs> you know, but, but it's one of the things that has been quite funny. Just think, listening to you guys talking is that you know my my whole um, ability to hear the news completely dissipated when when COVID essentially because it, it gave like the BBC news in particular. It gave this real like. Um, sense that you know when you watch those old films and it's like the whole world's apocalypse and you've got one tv in the background which is flashing on and off but it's like the news and it's telling you about the armageddon mm. and it just seems so inauthentic and big brotherish that's essentially what it went like you know and it was the most hyper example of like that that's that this is this is a machine a corporate mouth you know um yeah. so it's just it's difficult to take anything seriously so even when i'm taking news on on youtube i'm very conscious that it's yeah. filtered through an algorithm that's tailored mm -hmm. to my own interests you know and mm -hmm. it's like it's interesting. You, you see the you hear essentially the 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 main echo chamber when you don't listen to the news because the same story pops up so loudly that you inevitably hear it. You know, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just I don't really have a connection in any way, shape, or form to the news. Um, it just all seems like bullshit. You know, it's yeah, the, it, that's it. It just all seems like bullshit, man. It's like who's mm -hmm. really telling the truth? Everybody, it seems, is just trying to present a news to us with some kind of agenda. So, yeah, and the clickbait thing, this is something that gets me with the mainstream media. Remember a couple of months ago, it was like, oh, whistleblower, aliens are real, everybody. Aliens <laughs> are fucking real. <laughs> but because we've seen so many clickbaity articles over the last few years, every article you see, you say something, it's just, it's, it's exaggerated and you click on it, you go read it, it's all bullshit. So when you mm. see these, these headlines saying, this uh we found aliens aliens are real you know the whistleblower here everybody's like yeah yeah whatever because yeah. that's the clickbait shit that you get nowadays you just can't trust anything that you read anymore when it comes to mainstream media it's also well, kind like, of bizarre as well or uh, sorry ben on you go oh please please 
either. I, I, all I was going to say was it's also kind of bizarre because I feel on my own personally, it's like I'm so desensitized to, to the nature of what's actually real because I watch films on the same user interface that I listen to the news. You know, they'd the, be in the screen. I watch, I, it's the same dynamic. I was, unless you're actually on the ground, you know, you can't really get an interpersonal experience of actually what's going on. It's, it's really difficult to try and pretend like I feel things that when it's like, I'm so far from it that it's like, one of the things in my mind, so that I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, uh, Mark, was that it's like uh, 1910, I think Walt Lippmann, I think he had this book, Public Opinion, and he was talking about journalism and about how the nature of journalism was more intimate and how the, the, from, mm-hmm. the, from, the, from the event to the person was so close that inevitably it was difficult to kind of filter out um, anything but the truth, inevitably. And you fast forward to where we are now, we have this hyper machine of news being pumped out to such an extent. And then you've got all these different variables of corporate interests owning some of them, so they're tailoring the stories to that. Then you've got individual subjective bias, yeah. which is then tailoring it to that. You've got some people where it's like they would try and put out deliberate disinformation in order to, to make sure that people are so confused that they can't even make a decision. You know, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a real, it's 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 incredible actually where we are information wise now. Really, yeah, I agree with Connor uh, absolutely, dude. One of the so one of the what we're looking at here is really a matter of hardware. the The human brain, which is phenomenal at pattern recognition and obsessively myopically, so is not equipped for an era of ubiquitous never-ending info new Mm -hmm. stuff all the time right and the best that we as individuals can do is to practice the discipline of media literacy like to uh your point brian uh triangulating the truth right the there will be a, a story right that is prioritized and it is told it is a tale told Uh, through multiple iterations, but you can do little things if you want to play along at home. Anytime you read something about politics and the headline has um, like a comic book level verb, like so-and-so slams, blah, 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 or, (laughs) you know, person X excoriates or smashes or, you know, kapows, I don't know, whatever. They're not super creative with it. Then you automatically know that there is an angle. And the problem is the reason people sometimes uh, glibly call this current age the post-truth world is because the average person, the most extraordinary person we can imagine, simply does not have the capability to properly vet, properly interrogate, and synthesize all of the information that is Mm -hmm. constantly flying at us. Social media is a new tool of war. It is asymmetrical. It is quite effective. And we have seen disastrous consequences of this deployment here in the United States. Uh, Sorry, let me get off this soapbox. I yield my time and agree with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, we could talk about this for hours because... It's just shocking that we can't find, because as you were saying, there's so much information available to us now, so much. It's like the the whole lot of information that has been made by mankind is available to you in your pocket now. It's incredible. But at the same time, we, we, we can't find anything that we would find reliable enough to believe what the fuck they're saying to us. You know, that's shocking. All of this information, and we can't find anything that's reliable. It's a damn shame. Yeah, 
It's, it's funny that actually because when you said that there about how we have all this information available, like all of mankind, that's popped to mind before when I'm looking on Amazon and if I'm like looking for like uh, new esoteric things to read and stuff like that, and I find to myself mm -hmm. like I could literally skim past the holy grail of life and not even know because it's the price mm -hmm. is not attractive. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's where we're at. It's a really it's it's a conflicting sensation, you know, because it's it's you know. But so just speaking there about information on the internet it smoothly segues into the fact that there is some information that you will not find on the internet you want to know what that information is the flight list the <laughs> flight list Segway, well done yeah, that was that was pro move that was that was like pro yeah, wrestling that yeah. was wrestlemania 95 shit that was hey, damn, <laughs> dead, dead, professional but but yeah this this pisses me off man it, because what we do, you know, our podcast is about cannabis growing and many people have to do this illegally and will be arrested for the possession of a few plants. Mm. But this guy and all of the people that, you know, all of his customers, it, nothing happens to them. We, it, it's, uh, it, but then at the same time, I'm baffling, uh, just mumbling a little bit here, but uh, at the same time, because of what they would have been associated with at the island, there might be like innocent people or using finger quotation marks, innocent people on the flight that did nothing wrong but are guilty by association you know what i mean mm. so you can see why it's not released at the same time so what's everybody's thoughts on the flight list man what and who do they think is on it uh, uh, and these are just uh allegedly everybody all right i'm not making any claims <laughs> don't don't sue us and or clinton side us or anything <laughs> <laughs> brian what are you saying man what's your thoughts on the list well, uh, some of the people have, I mean, it's been released that like Bill Clinton fl flew on the uh, the Lolita Express, as mm. it was called, mm -hmm. uh, I believe like 26, 27 times. So obviously he enjoyed going out there. And um, and then when you start to and, break and sorry, it down. Sorry, just to interject there. And you all know about the, the portrait of Bill Clinton in a dress that Jeffrey Epstein had as well, right? No. Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, in, in a dress, sitting in a chair. Bill Clinton, the former president of the United States of America, it, it, like oil painting, like an artist has gone out of his way to, to paint this picture of Bill Clinton in a dress. What, why does he have that? Under what circumstances does a man need that picture in his house? Dodgy. Dodgy, you get man. In situations. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my that's my new uh it's my new go-to answer for so many things and my producers <laughs> at one point are gonna kill me and told me to stop saying it. But uh yeah. but yeah, like there's the the idea here is just to lay it out for anybody who somehow is not familiar. So uh Jeffrey Epstein, uh when he passed away in incarcerated uh the public was clamoring for more information about how far his network of trafficking and sexual abuse went and to what degree it may have tied into his many financial connections which do include uh u.s politicians politicians from across the world by the way uh u.s politicians on any imaginable slice of the political ideological pie and like you were saying brian dribs and drabs of that uh 
of that log have come out, they do include Bill Gates. They include folks like Bill Clinton. Of course, they include folks like Donald Trump. They include, um, oh, I think the one of the fulcrums here is the guy who started Victoria's Secret, uh, who really set up Epstein. And there, there are a lot of, you know, again, we are pattern mm -hmm. recognizers. We want to have the red strings connecting these events. And the 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 challenge here is, to your point, Mackie, the challenge is how many of these individuals who may have yet been yet to be identified, how many of them were interacting with this criminal organization because they were just at those rarefied heights of finance and power versus how many people were like, oh, if I you know, do 10 more flights on the Lolita Express, uh, you know, that finishes out my punch card. I get a coupon the next time. Yeah. Like I'll get a free coffee. <laughs> right. Which the <laughs> billionaires are very concerned with free coffee. As mm -hmm. well. mm -hmm. It'll be like a free coffee filled with like adrenochrome or something. That's what <laughs> <it'll be. laughs> hey, when you guys are talking about free, uh, what you were mentioning was a guy named Les Wexner that owned yes. uh, Victoria at a time. And he gave, mm -hmm. gave for, I believe it was $1 is how you actually have to do it in the, in like a, mm -hmm. a legal sense. Wexner gave Epstein like a $70 million unbelievable mansion in the heart of New York mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. free. So that's the kind of stuff where it's like, all right, there is conspiracy, but how mm -hmm. come, what, what individual in their own right would give really anything at that level for free to somebody that, you know, is, is a buddy, is a, is is um i guess more than just their cpa kind of thing the the relationship seems extremely weird when you start to find out that kind of stuff it 100%. is weird as fuck man my theory on the whole epstein thing is he was uh intelligence whether he was u.s intelligence or and this is just my theory everybody there is absolutely okay. no facts or anything behind any of this youtube so calm down youtube all right <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was intelligence of some kind, uh, maybe Israeli, maybe yeah, maybe US, maybe CIA, and he went out there to get people in positions of power and authority into compromising situations, and so he can get evidence of them doing something like that, and then he can hold them against it. You know, he can blackmail them and get get them to vote in particular ways or do donate money to particular causes uh, and things like that. You know, it's the Sorry, I was just gonna. Hence the blue dress. That's what that blue dress, in mm -hmm. my opinion, means. Is I own Bill Clinton. Yeah. Look at him looking ridiculous in my uh, fancy portrait. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah. What's your I mean, theory I, then, man? Uh, you want to go? You want to go next there, Ben? You want to? What's your theory? Oh, I, 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 uh, I agree. Uh, there is, there is no official confirmation of some sort of intelligence operation that has been made available to the public. But we have to understand that those sorts of operations are not disclosed for until many years have passed. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the information becomes an historical artifact rather than actionable intelligence. Right. And that's, that's why, you know, some of the JFK files have yet to be released. Uh, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're with, with the idea of Epstein working with intelligence, uh, we have to be careful not to ascribe 
necessarily like supervillain powers. Most people function on about the same level of desire and intelligence across the world and across history. So what this shows us with these with these very troubling connections, what this shows us is that clearly something was up. Do we do we say that Epstein was some sort of uh, fixer for one intelligence agency? I don't know, because the existence of things like uh, Five Eyes show us that a lot of Anglophone intelligence operations are indeed group projects. And when you get to the, the higher and higher you go in the world of finance and statecraft and indeed tradecraft, uh, what you see is the same recurring characters. So I not only agree with you, I take it a step further. I think it's completely possible that Epstein was functioning in, let's say, a contractor plausible deniability position to make sure the powerful moved as they were supposed to move. And mm -hmm. will we know the answer to that? The devilish thing about this is that to know that answer, there would have to be some form of transparency. And in the absence of that transparency, speculation only thrives. So if mm -hmm. you are hearing this and you, you know, you kicked it with Jeff, uh, the best thing to do is get in front of it. Just be public because hopefully <laughs> at some point the truth will out. You know, now, I wonder if there is anybody listening to our show who, who been to Epstein Island. What the fuck? Dan, what you say, Brian, did you have something to say about the, uh, like what your theory was with Epstein, Epstein? Jeffrey, which one is it? Is it Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, right? Epstein is how I've always heard it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what it seemed like to me is that after uh, Robert Maxwell died, Ghislaine Maxwell was kind of like ostracized a little bit, uh, didn't have the same amount of money, uh, but still was a socialite and had the connections that any rich individual would love to have. And it seemed like Mr. Epstein uh, charmed his way into... Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's world and to kind of reciprocate it seemed like then she was able to uh, have that clout of extreme wealth uh, that her father always gave her well now she had you know this other gentleman that at a time was uh, her boyfriend uh, they broke up and then obviously it seems like from that point on she was some kind of like uh, liaison for a variety of things some despicable things uh, and from that point of view, it seemed like they had a mutual relationship where he was able to get to some of the top tier uh, people on the planet. Uh, obviously, I think the goal was to either um, already know how to manipulate and blackmail people, or he learned that through Ghislaine Maxwell's network of people. Like, uh, you know, let me, uh, Epstein started out as a school teacher. So remember mm -hmm. that he was a school teacher for uh, some of the elite. And he seemed to be able to charm his way, uh, male, female, whoever it was, into kind of climbing these ladders. So I think eventually he learned how to set up or had the, the, the connections to set up this special island where he could manipulate and blackmail some of the elite to make sure that they were doing the things that that they wanted them to do. And it mm -hmm. again, uh, uh, you know, where are the receipts for that? Well, again, Lex Wexler, uh, Les Wexler is giving away a $70 million apartment to him. I would imagine it was so that he would keep his mouth shut. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a cheap property, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Well, what do you think, Connor? What's your theory on this one? Uh, it's fucked, man. I mean, I don't know. It's like uh, there's a part of me that keeps going towards that occultist um, sacrificial thing. And I think that's maybe where it dilutes my ability to try and see it clearly. Mm. Because there's obviously both the positions that you guys are uh, putting across is very sociological you know there's nothing really deeper than it's just people being in their most despicable shadow form you know mm. um that's kind of what it's like whereas in my mind the way i see this is it's, it's genuinely like that they're attempting to cultivate fucking energies that's why it's all children you know that's the, whatever the fuck they're doing with the the blood adrenochrome shit it's a drug mm. you know it's real satanic shit that's how i that's how i picture this epstein situation it's not just a like right. a, an economist went mad it's just there's an actual satanic fucking center at the, mm, the, at the mm. middle of this and i think that's that's my main fucking feeling for this you know yeah yeah it's an interesting aspect of it as well because that seems to be uh, i don't know it, it seems like that don't it it seems like why would you do these horrible things man other than to appease dark lords and shit you know <laughs> so what the <laughs> fuck the is thing going on man it's interesting though because also when we think back to also um you know World War Two, World War One, all the other fucking atrocities that have happened in humankind. We have the capacity to be that fucking dark. Mm-hmm. That is a capacity. Mm-hmm. Humans have that almost paranormal level darkness in us, you know. Um, and I think that's I don't know. It just really depends on how you see the world. Will be how you interpret this situation. Mm. Yeah, we do know Definitely. hidden ideology exists. We do know that there are, um, you know, there are people who seem to genuinely believe in any number of any number of schools of thought that whether you are an atheist or a subscriber to a very specific religion you would find some of these practices uh despicable right you know i i think the, the sometimes it gets clouded dare i say occluded by uh <laughs> by the way these things are reported you know the us and the uk as well or are uh, very familiar with moral panics like the satanic panic here in the U.S. in mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s, but that doesn't disprove the possibility of of people realistically believing that they are pursuing some sort of occult or metaphysical left-hand path to power, right? And whether or not you, whether or not we listening here believe that actual magic or actual infernal forces are real or whether mm. we believe that magic is only another way to say weaponized psychology we have to realize that people do believe it and they may act accordingly so how does that change when they're in positions of power i think it's mm. a very good question dave that's scary now shit it just got scary <laughs> man <laughs> Yeah, but the the people who are in positions of power, they, I don't know, they do seem a little bit I don't know, psychopathic in some way, you know, They're sociopathic. Just think for themselves, maybe a little bit more power hungry than. And you, you see, sometimes that they'll stick to their principles, and then they'll get elected, and then it's like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, I've changed my mind on that. You know, it's like, what is that? We had this incident here in the UK, which I think is true. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I'm quite sure it is. I don't know. It's like one of those 50-50, like surely this didn't happen. Surely. 
Well, uh, one of our previous prime ministers, David Cameron, he had a, a picture released in the newspapers where he had his penis in the mouth of a dead pig. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true story, right? I'm not crazy. It wasn't just TV show, right? And I think that's that's what happens to a lot of these people in power is before you go take that position there, Dave, you have to put your cock in the pig. That's the thing, right. though, Mackie. You just fucking smashed it when you said this isn't a TV show. That was shown on Black Mirror. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, there was a, yeah, t- yeah. a period of time before mm-hmm. that. So it's like, what the fuck is that? Is that like, like that, that, that's. And that's what confuses me. It's like, sure, it, am I mixing it up? You know, <laughs> Do I, am, I, was, am I thinking about a TV show? Was that on the TV show? Or was it on the news? Yeah. Hmm. I think Black Mirror was commentary on it from yeah. my recollection. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're in like a Mandela effect thing, but I remember even over here, uh, reading about this, learning learning about this pig story, and uh, we were all, at least the people I knew, we were all looking side to side at each other. We're like, no, I don't know if I can curse on here, but no fucking way. This guy's in charge of one of the most powerful countries on the planet, and he's out here like, could he not just hire a sex worker? Why? Why is this? His <laughs> <thing>? Yeah, <You> know? <laughs> because that's it. That's a private thing. It's not that they that he's into this. They want something that they can hold against them. Like you have to say this thing about Brexit, Dave, or we are going to release a picture of the pig. And he didn't <laughs> do what he was told. So they released the picture of the fucking pig. You know, <laughs> That's what happened, man. It's, in my it's, opinion, allegedly, everybody, again, again, allegedly, it's just, it's just a theory, it's just a theory, a food theory. No, no not that channel. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's an interesting one. Though. And you mentioned something there as well, which isn't on the list, but somebody did bring it up in the chat. The Mandela effect. I love mm. the Mandela effect. That shit fascinates me because I'm pretty certain that kale is an addition to the simulation that only happened just a couple of years ago. Because I never, ever knew what kale was. And then one day, <laughs> everything was about kale. And, like, uh, people are like, they've been eating kale for years. Like, what the fuck is even? I've never heard those letters strung together in that group to make the sound kale ever. What, what is everybody talking about? So I think kale was an update to the simulation, which is part of the, the Mandela uh, <laughs> the Mandela effect. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, well, it actually took me a minute to realise you were talking about kale, the fucking plant. I was like, what do you mean? What yeah. is this fucking noise you're making? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, kale, you know? Kale. Am I saying it wrong? I don't know. I can't be saying it wrong. It's only got four fucking letters. You know? yeah, that's funny, <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you think, Connor? What do you think? Is kale an update to the simulation? Do I we live in a simulation? Mandela effect. Yeah. You've absolutely smashed it, man. You nice. just touched on a fundamental truth in the simulation. That's like a, if my son was here, he'd be able to throw it on the fucking lingo about like fucking, what is it does it when it freezes and it goes all fucking static and shit? Or it, what is it they do in Fortnite when it like a glitch? That's it. Kale is ah, a glitch. Right. Kale is a representation of a glitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a few things. I can't remember. I can't give precise examples of like things in my life where it feels like Mandela effect, but it does happen. And then you have the famous ones like the was it the Bernstein Bears, the mm-hmm. one in the USA. Uh, and obviously, the one that's named after the people uh, think about Nelson Mandela died back in the, back in the nineties or something. I can't remember the specifics, but mm-hmm. some people remember seeing his funeral, and other people 
save that he didn't die until later on. It, and it just uh, called the Mandela effect. That's the best explanation I can give everybody, all right? Pretty high, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I love that one because I, I'm a big fan of the whole uh, simulation theory. You know, we're living in a simulation. This is just a, a computer simulation. I love that shit. That fascinates me. There's not really a way to disprove it, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, and I, I, I'm right there with you guys because the we've talked about simulation theory uh, for a number of years on, on uh, stuff they don't want you to know. And the thing that I find sort of continually fascinating about it is that, OK, technology, technological suppression is real. That is simply a fact. It's often portrayed as a matter of national security but the the truth of the matter is that there is technology of which the public is largely unaware and Mm -hmm. this technology whether it be so-called ai whether it be um uh predictive models of how uh how things may work out in the future that stuff exists and through these technological innovations, which are cumulative in their growth, or excuse me, which are growing at uh, uh, just an escalating rate, through those, uh, human civilization is quickly arriving at the creation of things that were once relegated to folklore. We are able to, we will soon be able to completely map the functions of a human brain which means that we can essentially make a cover song of a individual human's personality we can save it we can Mm. replicate it we can bring it back which means that we're very very close to making ghosts real in an inarguable way the problem is or the pickle of it is that humans will be the ones creating it and that is just one example. There are so many other comparable things that are occurring. So it is, in my mind, quite possible that humans will make simulation theory inarguably true and maybe do it in the opposite direction. Maybe someone, some boffin in current civilization will accidentally create another universe and if it mm. exists entirely on a hard drive or entirely in some, you know, air-gapped version of a cloud server uh, for the things existing in that simulation, it is reality. I, I don't, it's trippy. I should yes. edible. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> but this is, it's one of my favorite bits of conversation is trying to figure this shit out, man, because it just seems to make sense. It makes sense more than anything else, but it's a simulation. You know, at some point there would have been some kind of reality that followed Darwinian evolution to become humans, like similar to what we have now. That that, that had to take place at some point. But if we carry on at the same level of progress that we have now with, with uh, technology, so it's saying ten thousand years. If we increase the amount of technology we have and computers increase in power by one percent every year, then in a thousand years time, in 10,000 years time, it's going to be, we can't even comprehend what these things are going to be able to do, especially when AI comes out and it can make a more powerful version of itself. We have the singularity that Mm. shit happens. It's like the technology is going to be fucking huge. And we can't even comprehend it. So they would easily be able to make games that are indistinguishable from reality. 
easily mm-hmm. and if everything is uh like most of the jobs are done by machines and things like that then we're going to need things to keep us occupied so playing games that take us into reality a completely different reality you can live a whole life in a couple of days you know <laughs> you got save points because realistically <laughs> and here, here's a stone of thought for you everybody it's like it, all of the memories you have, you could you could just logged into your game just 30 seconds ago to, to listen to this podcast in the simulation, right? But all of the memories that you've got, they're just implanted. They're not even real. It's just that's part of the character. So, it, you know, it's fucking weird, man. It, deep, yeah. deep ass shit. I love it. I love it. Because there's no definitive answers. It's just uh, stoner ramblings, man. <laughs> I mean, some of the best scientists in the world and uh in, through history and living in what we call the modern day uh are huge fans of uh psychotropics huge fans of cannabis you know not for nothing mm-hmm. uh is, is humanity so enamored of these but what i what i also it makes me think about um <laughs> it makes me think about open world video games that i've played like uh elder scrolls or skyrim when i start those kind of games uh what always hits me is that there is an entire world out there filled with what we would think of as npcs non-player characters Mm -hmm. so somewhere totally across the map there's just some guy in a shop you know what i mean and he's thinking (laughs) one day i'm gonna sell some potions to the one person who has Mm -hmm. agency in this universe and so what if we're like that what if the entire universe is a big open world simulation for some sort of um, entity beyond this reality and they're playing a game and we're all just npcs sort of sitting around waiting to interact and do our bit when the the (laughs) when the time comes fuck fuck I haven't heard that theory before, and that's fucking awesome. Yeah, so we're just NPCs waiting for that one time when we're going to interact with the uh, the player playing the game, the character. Nice, I like that shit. Wow, it's just it's it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? When you just you know have a little smoke, eat a little edible, and then talk about these kind of things, you can go deep, man. You can go yeah, deep. That's, that's honestly, man. I think you know what pops to mind as well is that when you mentioned about. Where technology is at this moment in time, any form of calculation on top of you know times X amount of years, we're going to reach a certain point, but inevitably that's going to be the the present you know moment essentially where we're just engaged in that existence. And I think I mentioned in the last podcast where it's like the potential of being humanity is only a digital memory. You know, it's just now that's all that's mm. left. The biology is mm. finished, and it's just this digital uh, residue that's left on the network that human humanity actually created in the first place. Um, but th- there's that other thing as well where it's like that. I like I, I don't know if it's just because you can feel it because it's you know it's the the sensational biology and all that kind of stuff, but maybe that will happen. But that's we are the ones that do it first. You know, maybe this is the organic fucking life, and we create the first simulation, which then that's the then you know that's like a fucking god theory of the personality of humanity. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that. That's we we create the fucking the first simulation. But the thing is, what are the odds of that happening? If if we do come to the point where we can make a whole universe. And have a game that's dis- in, uh, indistinguishable from reality, then uh, I forgot what I was going to say because I'm super high. Well, that's perfect. Do you know what came to mind, Then that's brilliant. Do you know what came to mind? That when you put like 50 mirrors in a row, 
yeah and yeah. it's kind of that like that kind of it's like the end of the that's day, it yeah it's like the there'll next. be so many different games played and all these different people playing creates a universe there'll be hundreds of millions of these uh simulated realities so the the chances are you that you're not in the the, the base reality it's called you know but the the chances are you're in one of the many different simulated realities yeah mm. Love that I, I, shit. I, I briefly fucking had this conversation with my, my oldest the other day um, about the simulation theory and the thing I, the compar- comparison I made was the about the Big Bang and about how if you're playing um, The Sims or even Grand Theft Auto that the, putting the plug in and switching on is the equivalent say, of the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Strange thing to think of, man. What do you think, Brian? Are you, you haven't said much in the background there. Are you, are you just like getting super high being like, what the fuck, man? My mind's pretty blown here. No, I'm just uh, like, I, you know, I don't, I've never met uh, the other two gentlemen. And I'm learning a lot today. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy kind of just being quiet. And when you call on me to, to speak on things, uh, the simulation to me, I've done DMT in my life mm-hmm. and, and uh, I've done mushrooms uh, a bunch of times. I've done acid a bunch of times. And from my experience of doing those things, I believe that there's something more to whatever's going on on the planet. I think there could have been the possibility that other civilizations have been here. They might have been at a digital level, like you guys kind of were, were getting at and mentioning. And then something happens. And so if that was in our world today, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all the shit that people really are just consumed with, that no one sees that if, if you know, humanity was wiped off the planet. It goes back to square one again. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of things that we could potentially learn Um like theology and that kind of stuff is I've also uh, been studying that most of my adult life. And there's a lot to like, you know, the energy lines on the planet and where the certain things like the Rosalind chapel, like um, the Knights Templars seem to understand those kind of things. There's something to uh, a knowledge that seems more on a spiritual sense that does seem like if certain people have that, they're able to get immense wealth, immense power, Within, you know, I think the Knights Templar were able to pull that off within just a few years. So to go up against like the Roman Catholic Church, where, you know, at least at the beginning, there's only a handful of people that are involved. And then to go and, and, and be at the level that they were, you know, that's where Friday the 13th, all of those kind of stigmas, the movies and all that, that all came from uh, killing the Knights Templar. So why is that still in kind of our folklore just brought in through different ways through movies and Hollywood? That's the kind of stuff that I, I, you know, I kind of have always enjoyed Mm. learning more about Mm. is it does seem like not only is the world weird and fucked up, but if you understand more of like a spiritual sense and maybe karma, not necessarily just, you know, like a Judeo-Christian belief of that, but like understanding karma and um, uh, energies and, and that kind of stuff and setting yourself up, it does seem like for whatever reason, certain things come into your life. Uh, that you might not necessarily have ever thought would happen to you. And I've, I've experienced that uh, firsthand. So there's a lot to life, man. And I hope that uh, there is something more past this planet because I do enjoy life. Uh, mm-hmm. And it does seem like um, smoking DMT, like I had mentioned, uh, if you've ever blasted off, uh, there is just, it's hard to deny that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, it's a next level thing, man. I still haven't done the whole blast off thing. I'm terrified of it, to be honest. You know, <laughs> I have all the necessary equipment, if you know what I'm saying. I just haven't uh, found the right time and setting to really uh, take that huge step onto the rocket, man. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> 
damn. Well, when you, you know, when the time is right, I think mm -hmm. uh, you will. And just when you're going through that, just remember that this is just an experience and then yeah, it goes man. away because it's going to come when, when, at least when you blast off, it's almost like entities or however you want to view it. Somebody is giving you information, but at least the first couple of times, it feels like they are giving you this data information, world information, universe information, however kind of your experience is going. But it's always too fast. It's like your brain can't comprehend. And then you're like, whoa, what was that? And then, you know, a hundred different things have flashed by. So whatever that world is, and, and I guess the other part I should say is other people that have smoked DMT around the planet are saying the same thing, seeing mm -hmm. the same thing. So there's something to this as far as uh, like a pure DMT. I think some of the people, especially here in Colorado, they're supposedly smoking DMT in the clubs. In my opinion, that's not Damn. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily even think that's blasting off or using it in the way that it's probably meant to be. Mm -hmm. Any time I've ever personally DMT, it's it's been a an experience, almost like a, uh, you know, I, you fast the night before. You, you, you know, there's, some, there's something to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, it's fascinating shit as well. You, you like that whole uh, the DMT machine owls. That how people have the simulate <laughs> yeah. experiences when they're having these psychedelic experiences, you know, on the other side in the other reality. It's a, it's very interesting, man. It's very, it, it's like, is there something on the other side? Is I this mean, a simulation? That's amazing. Like that's what um, Brian. I'm so glad you brought that up because even for the most skeptical of people, right? Uh, even if you don't consider yourself a what was the term that used to be a popular psychonaut even if you even if you consider yourself an absolute materialist skeptical person one has to admit it is incredibly fascinating it is indeed mm -hmm. astonishing that so many people from disparate cultures from uh far-flung areas of the world who have never spoken with each other would report so many commonalities i challenge anybody to look toward um a, a similar phenomenon like a comparable phenomenon sure mm -hmm. there are similarities maybe in like the stories of ufo abductions are uh point for point the same stories of fairy or fae or, or hidden folk abductions from uh centuries past but with dmt in particular very few other hallucinogens or psychoactive substances with DMT in particular, uh, people do have uh, an astounding common report of their experience. And I think that's something, you know, um, I think future historians are going to rightly look askance at what we call modern civilization today because the stigma against those substances dmt by the way naturally occurs in trace amounts in the human brain the stigma mm -hmm. against those substances is stymieing very important science and science yeah. that could teach the world a great great deal i don't know right imagine what how things would be different if this shit wasn't illegal for the last 50 years at least 50 years the I research the that people, would have been done damn i think the people uh like I think cops would be way cooler. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny that just um, like when it comes to DMT, I mean, what Brian was saying there when he said about how it's undeniable that you receive information as if there's something there. So I took uh, DMT once and I didn't, I wasn't successful. I didn't get to blast off. But there was, so the experience essentially was uh, smoking it. We'd had it with uh, additional material, which I think kind of got in the way of the potency. Um, and then there was just like a feeling of like my entire body essentially went numb. And it was like this ascending feeling. Closed my eyes the first time. And like I'm ascending, ascending in this. And it felt like there was a shadow element, this figure that was kind of guiding me up. And it was, come on up, you come up, you come. And uh, and then once I'd obviously like... Uh, fucking well, for lesser words sobered up a bit I was sitting with my, my sister's uh, husband at the time he was also doing the same thing and what he described was he there was like a party away in the distance and they're all calling him over like come on and he's the same and it was like this this thing which is and it's cool so take that over to the mainstream media thing and it's this whole if we have this spiritual eye essentially because dopamine uh, uh, DMT is produced in the human brain we can access it through specific um, action meditations all these different things what is the cultural machine it's it's an inhibitor to the ability to access this realm of information, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just that, that that's on a very real level, you know, and I think that's obviously this psychedelics revolution, how that suppressed information that's that's available for it, you know, the, how it lowers um, the, the, the default mode network, you seem to be able to receive more information. Um, it's really, it's a really fascinating um, topic, you know, when you think about it in its depth. Mm-hmm. It is for sure, man. No, no, I need to work up the courage. But I think it's one of those, uh, you know, I have everything I need. When the time is right, I'll be like, yeah, let's hit that DMT. You know, because I respect this thing. Uh, I know it's not just like a recreational drug. It's a spiritual experience when you hit that shit. Yeah, so you have to respect it and wait for it to be ready. Yeah, wait for me to be ready. It will let me know when I'm ready. I have a question. I have a, I have a question for Brian, if that's okay. Of course. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Are people really... Dude, are people really out in Colorado doing DMT at clubs or say like, ah, uh, really? Yes. <laughs> but Fucking when we're why? saying, but to me, when we're saying DMT, you know, from what I've seen in the, with the the like younger generation in the club, that's not anywhere near what I've ever smoked, and mm-hmm. I've. Uh, like Mackie's getting to, you know, I've chosen my blast off wisely because I, I didn't want to go into something and be afraid. And I personally saw somebody that maybe wasn't ready to do this. And for probably maybe six, seven minutes, I saw someone just have pure terror. I've never mm. seen someone just go through an exp- I've seen somebody have bad trips on acid and stuff. And it, mm. you know, those are, those are sad things to see too. Uh, and it's usually because somebody's mind is just, you know, you're just not ready to kind of see that yet. Mm-hmm. And on DMT, it's like that, but times a thousand. And so if you're, if you're thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go over to a buddy's house and do DMT and that's kind of like shrooms, uh, you know, there's a warning to that, mm-hmm. please, because this is something that you want to build up to. Otherwise, I, in my opinion, I think if, if your mind's not ready, it's something that could scare you. And unfortunately mm-hmm. for this woman, uh, it scared her so much that I've never, you know, it's never seemed like she's wanted to delve into anything psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And the way that I saw her respond to it, I don't blame her. Yeah. Got to respect that shit, man. The setting, setting is very important when it comes to psychedelics. Yeah. 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 Well, we have a listener on the show, uh, Benny Ben, and he smokes DMT while he's walking his dog and shit. So, you know, it depends on how much you smoke. If you smoke just a little bit and get a bit kaleidoscopic and shit like that, then mm. I think it's okay. But, 
to go for the break. You're not through. blasting. Yeah. You're yeah, not yeah. blasting off if you're mm-hmm. if you're just hitting it like that. And yeah, so yeah. You, to me, you're just kind of micro dosing, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand the advantage of that. Um, mm. I have somebody that's done it way more than I have. Maybe you can explain it. But for me, it seemed like if you're going for the therapy, you have to do at least five grams and you have to do at least one gram inhale two letting out breathing in so that by the time you get to the fifth one you are literally blasting off like it should feel like holy shit like in the mm-hmm. early days of like a six flags or i don't know what the uk equivalent of that would be <laughs> but you know like a, an amusement park that you went to as a child mm-hmm. uh that that feeling in your stomach is something that's there when you blast off i think that's why a lot of people even kind of say it that way um, and this is something that's not for the faint of heart, but I hope that everybody in life tries it at least once if yeah. you're thinking of trying. Yeah, that's for sure. I agree. Have you guys ever heard of, um, oh, what's it called? E- Ebogaine? Ebogaine. Um, it's like a, it's a, a psychoactive plant substance. Uh, I, I associate it with the African continent, I think. I, can't, I, I don't know. I'm just curious, given your experience, uh, how this may or may not compare to something like DMT, because uh, to, to, to you guys' points, um, a friend of mine told who is uh, who has uh, used DMT successfully and frequently in the past told me about Ibogaine and then very much gave me similar warnings the same warnings you would get at dmt right like scene Mm -hmm. setting be prepared don't uh like have someone with you if it's your first time uh respect this have you have you guys ever heard of that substance now i've heard the word before but i I don't know what it is Uh, what about you guys man what are you saying connor you heard about this before no i've never heard of it no i i began you say yeah 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 um like i i b o g a i n e um does it have a slang term it probably does but i'm 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 a very uncool person so i wouldn't know it (laughs) (laughs) there was yeah there was something that i think was coming from that kind of culture that supposedly you could blow into someone's face and then basically they're in some kind of trance um, and people were doing that, like emptying bank accounts. And it was, you know, there's a several documentaries on it. And it sounded like something like that, where oh, if you were wow. a, a naive um, tourist, you could get that blown in your face. And then you're under supposedly a, I, mm-hmm. I believe they were calling it like a witch's spell, but it's it's merely just a plant and its effects on the human body. Dude, I think I saw, I, I, I think I saw something, maybe it was Vice News. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. talking about something like that. It's just it, it, it leads into some other conversations uh, about just the power of plants, you know, the nature of the nature of a plant's abilities and its interactions with the human brain. I, I think there are things science still mm-hmm. does not and perhaps will not understand. Maybe science is attempting to answer a different set of questions, right? Science always teaches us or endeavors to explain how something happens, right? But the more esoteric, the more spiritual, we as a civilization still don't understand how powerful plants are and their mm-hmm. effects on the human the human mind, maybe even indeed the human soul. And I've I've got to be honest, like again, I'm kind of a square dude. I I'm still fucking baffled by photosynthesis. That's amazing, <laughs> right? Like, how did that happen? 
And so whenever somebody tells me that a plant has power or it has something important for the human endeavor, then I am all ears. I'm 10 toes down. I will, mm-hmm. I will listen, but I'll also be, but I'll also be rightly cautious. Like, uh, Mackie, if I, uh, if I make it across the pond and we're ever hanging out, maybe that's the DMT time, but we'll need a guide. Mm. We'll need someone more responsible. Brian, what mm-hmm. are you doing next year? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Spanabis. <laughs> Having more kids. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Billy Bonds in the chat there, the Rovin reporter said, spin the wheel again. Too much drug talk for a weed show for me. He's being uh, sarcastic. <laughs> this is how Billy rolls. But yeah, let's spin that wheel, man. Let's uh, let's try and get another one of these topics off and running. We still got, I'll, I'll get rid of the Epstein list because I've spelt it wrong and we already discussed it. So let me spin that wheel. Let's see what we get here. Oh, oh, look at that. It's It's, it's the universe. Telling us to talk about do plants communicate? It's, a, it's an interesting topic, right? Bro, absolutely. Plants communicate. They, some plants emit uh, high uh, high frequency squeals or screams when they are being cut and the human ear can't hear them. Uh, but there's evidence or there's evidence suggesting that some animals can and some other plants definitely can. There's even a variety of sweet potato, I think, that when it is cut, it emits a chemical signal to surrounding plants that uh, that gives them sort of the go-ahead to create more density in their structure, making them less palatable, less edible. It's very weird. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like humans don't even understand the nature of human intelligence. So mm-hmm. is it not somewhat anthrocentric for us to call other things dumb because they happen not to be mammals? Mm. That's it. And it's not just plants as well. It's fungi too, right? Mycelium. There seems to be some kind of way that they are communicating between themselves. Yeah. Uh, something very interesting mm-hmm. happened in Japan a while back. They took a, um, so Tokyo is a huge, like one of the biggest cities in the world. And it's got this fantastically Byzantine complicated rail system, which is quite efficient. And the scientists uh, found this specific, it's not quite, it's a kissing cousin of uh, fungi. It's a uh, slime mold. And they mm-hmm. said, let's, let's see what this slime mold can do. And they put around food sources as a like where the rail stops would be or yeah they put around food sources right uh that would be uh mimicking or emulating the rail map of tokyo and they wanted to figure out how the slime mold would expand to approach that Mm. and i shit you not they were baffled the slime mold itself something that we don't think has a brain by the way it created the most accurate and efficient way to reach those destinations. It recreated in microcosm the Tokyo rail transit, like the Tokyo transit map. Mm-hmm. And it made some improvements. It's nuts. I don't That's, know. I think yeah. it's smart. 
there's something going on there that we just i think we're just too ignorant to understand you, you know we uh we haven't paid attention to that kind of thing for a while but there are studies being done now uh, on plants being able to talk to each other communicate with each other and stuff and it's interesting man it's just scary i mean gellert said there in the chat oh, he just killed his plants a couple of days ago this makes me sad <laughs> it's like damn man you know not, you're there you're trying to chop down a plant you still got three more to take down like ah! <laughs> he's screaming at each other he's chopping my legs off <laughs> yeah, no, why when you're saying that you at the cared beginning, for us sorry man that's all right i used to be a fucking landscaper man and i was thinking about the carnage every day with a strummer just plowing through <laughs> fucking you know what i mean it was like jesus yeah. christ <laughs> you're the angel of death right? <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> well there's also i mean okay for those of us in the chat who are uh quarreling with this moral or philosophical dilemma please do be aware that no matter what happens after biological death for humans the plants win right mm -hmm. the, the the plants are going to get you too unless you are mummified in very specific circumstances. So uh, they're going to get us. They mm -hmm, get us mm -hmm. in the end. The plants always win in the end. And if human civilization falls, you know what's going to happen next. If every human goes extinct, uh, there's going to be a, a biodiversity explosion for the mm -hmm. world's flora. And then, you know, some other, some other hot shot mammal, We'll try to take the crown for a minute, but the one constant is going to be plant life. I'm just, I'm saying this in case sentient plants are listening to the show in the future. <laughs> Guys, don't get me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, what's that movie? Where, you, you know, where the grass is killing everybody or something? The plants are oh, releasing a pheromone. What's that one? Is it The Happening? I think, yeah, that's Shyamalan? it. Somebody said that in the chat. Yeah. yeah gra okay. uh, Grandpa Grows said The Happening. Yeah. The grass is killing us. <laughs> Spoiler. It's like yeah, a 1940s anti-propaganda fucking thing for cannabis. Mm. The grass is killing us. And what are you saying, Brian? What are you saying about plants talking to themselves? Yeah, when uh, when Ben is mentioning that slime mold thing, you can easily uh, Google that and watch it for yourself. And it is mm -hmm. mind-blowing. I mean, if you've mm. been enjoying smoking cannabis during the show, I encourage you afterwards to just you know spend another five minutes and, and watch that video. Uh, with that said, I think we are able to achieve that in a living soil grow if you're growing cannabis or you're just building a soil system that you want to be healthy. Uh, maybe not on the same level as slime mold, but it does seem when you're using what's known as indigenous microorganisms, focus on building, uh, you know, cannabis obviously loves the bacterial side of things, but on a dot, on a pure like diversity aspect later in life, if you're building a living soil system, it wants, it craves that fungi. And then once you achieve that, it does start to become almost like a fiber optic network. It's gone from a dial up network to a fiber optic network. So when you're talking about plants, the easiest way in nature that most people see that are what's known as aspen trees. You can see them all over in Colorado, but they all their root systems all join together so that they all become one. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to the metaphysical side of things when you're farming plants uh, if you're, you know, in control of your tent or your grow, start to play them uh, more like classical music and, and see what actually starts to happen. Some people have even done like uh, Buddhist chanting and monk chanting, that kind of thing. And then I've also seen some of the more heavy hitters, uh, some of the guys doing the commercial aspects, 
they've moved on from the music and now they're playing nature sounds. Supposedly mm -hmm. there's something too when a bird chirps that the stomato of a plant uh, starts to open up. That's why they usually chirp about an hour before sunrise. So Ooh. tapping into mother nature, I think is something that a lot of cannabis farmers have uh, kind of learned and then been ostracized with some of their belief systems. But from what I've seen in my life of farming cannabis, plants definitely know that you're in there and plants are definitely aware when the team starts to bicker. And it is very hard to grow cannabis at like 10,000 square, you know, with 10,000 square feet or a larger uh, footprint when the team is bickering constantly. And there is something to that. And I think there's energies and all these things involved. So that's my two cents on uh, if plants interact. But on a metaphysical level, I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Nice. Very interesting topic, man, for sure. And we'll find out one day when AI takes over and knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> but let's do a let's do one of the old school conspiracy ones, man. Let's uh should we talk about 9-11? I was kind of looking forward to talking about 9-11. Because mm -hmm. this yeah. is one of the most uh, I don't know, controversial, but most likely something was dodgy going on here with 9-11. You know, it's I'll flipped from side to side. I have I went I, before I used to think it was bullshit. No way was it an inside job, and then it was uh like for sure, it was an inside job. You know, you've seen all the films, the loose change, in plain sight, zeitgeist, all these different movies about 9-11. And, uh, <laughs> and then eventually I changed my mind again and thought that, no, nah, there's no way. There's no way. All them films bullshit, you know. <laughs> so I've gone backwards and forwards. Now I'm kind of in the middle because, you know, Building 7 is the, uh, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for me when it comes to the whole 9-11 thing. You know, how did Building 7 fall down? But yes, what's everybody's thoughts on 9-11? Obviously, everybody out there, it's a, it was a tragedy. And like, what, 3,000 people died on that day or something? Crazy amount of people, man. So, you know, just uh, respect to all of, the, of those guys involved. Because I know we, we have members of the forum who lost friends in 9-11. You know, it's, it was a big event, man. Crazy event. But, uh, so what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it there, Connor? What do you think about 9-11? Inside job? What's the score? To be honest, I think the, the two boys for the States should come in first. That's probably okay. the best yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brian, you want to go first with that one? Sure. All right. So um, when 9-11 happened, I was actually sitting in my um, dorm room in Valdosta, Georgia, uh, watching the news when the planes hit. And I remember feeling from that moment on that like America was changing. Uh, there mm -hmm. was something to the fact that not only had we, had we been attacked, but we were attacked twice and knocked down basically the the symbolism of, um, you know, I guess, what would that be? Like consumerism, you know, the, the, the ultimate, you know, the largest commercial type skyscraper, business skyscraper type thing. And so when that happened, uh, it, it seemed like, the world came together for a little bit, um, kind of the same way COVID did. And people were being human beings again and looking out for one another and just happy that uh, they were alive because it's, at least in my time, time frame, I'd never really seen like mass murder like that yet. Mm -hmm. The internet, the internet wasn't popping off yet. Like it, like it does. There was no way that people are streaming videos and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's just weird to see in real time, especially after the first one hit, the second one hit. And then, and when that happened, I just remember thinking that there's, there's something to this, like, there's no way 
I mean, I was I was in college, but I knew about NORAD. I knew that for the most part, those jets are able to intercept within minutes anywhere in America. And the fact that that didn't happen for the second plane, that immediately gave me this weird, like, this is weird. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. And I was still so young in my um, quest for knowledge that I did go down the rabbit hole of the loose chains and all this kind of stuff. But I, stepping back from that, I think that what hap something happened and then it seemed like um, or they knew that something was going to happen. And then somehow something was planned, because like you had mentioned, the smoking gun is building number seven. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that that building falls down like that. Uh, it, it's just I mean, there's there's a whole uh, like architects for 9-11 and, and just people that are way smarter than all of us that have articulated this on a way better, you know, grand scale of why even in like Chicago fires in the early days, those buildings didn't fall in that manner because they're designed in like a skyscraper type of viewpoint. Uh, so all of that stuff seemed weird. But the, the other caveat for me, when I started to learn more about this a couple of years after it, it you know, happened in real time, was that Donald Rumsfeld made a speech the day before September 10th saying that they had just lost all this money mm -hmm. and they had no idea where it was and all this stuff. And so there was uproar for basically, I don't know, 16 hours or something. Like, what do you mean you just lost? I think at the time it was billions and billions of dollars. And then once 9-11 happened, nobody spoke about that stuff since. Mm-hmm. Scary shit, man. I mean, that's uh, that's only scratching the surface, isn't it? It goes so much deeper than that as well. What are your thoughts on this, Ben? I'm sure you've done a lot of research on this topic over you over your years of being a conspiracy realist. Mm. Oh, thank you for that, Mackie. Yeah, the um, so this kind of unity, uh, to which Brian and uh, and me as well are alluding to, is very, very real, right? Um, in the United States the best way for a president to get reelected is to be president during a war. And mm -hmm. it's unclean and gross, but it's simply true. Um, one thing that I would say, I hope more people are aware of to the idea about precedence, about statements preceding this disaster. Uh, I, I would love everybody in America and abroad to be aware of an organization called Project for a New American Century, which may blow up the chat on YouTube here. Uh, Project for a New American Century was quite forthright in their existing argument. They're a, they were a neoconservative think tank. Okay, and think tanks get up to all kinds of hijinks in the U.S. And they their stated goal was something like we want America to be a global leader again, you know. Uh, but they also spent some time describing what kind of uh, events needed to occur for their goals to be met for the PNAC and perhaps one of the most infamous things they described was how it would be great if America had another Pearl Harbor. Uh, Pearl Harbor referring, mm -hmm. of course, to the attack that um, galvanized U.S. involvement in World War II. So the there, there are tons and tons of issues, like look into the insurance claims pre-September 11th, 2001, look into 
you know, the stories that you guys mentioned that went missing from the news, how much confusion and fog of war, uh, like how, how, to what degree can confusion and fog of war explain things like the early mm-hmm. reporting about the George Washington bridge, right? And to, um, to what degree would we be comfortable saying that those in power like uh, ascribing planning for an entire government uh requires a little bit of double think let's keep in mind that the u.s government is also apparently cartoonishly bad <laughs> at almost everything else but somehow they masterminded a thing it, it sounds like a lot until we mm-hmm. realize that a lot of these organizations, these inner fiefdoms, function with autonomy. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing quite often in many mm-hmm. large governments, and conspiracies do abound. Yes, they're often turf wars. Yes, they're often just ways of covering up previous mistakes or moving money off the books from one place to another. Shout out Ali North and Iran-Contra. But in this case... What we see is that a very powerful group of people, while never admitting to any kind of uh, foreknowledge or whatever, uh, they definitely, at the very least, became opportunist, cynically and crassly so. And Mm -hmm. they used the deaths of hundreds and hundreds of people to launch a war that the U.S. public would have never supported. Uh, They used it to pour high-octane gas in the tank of the the war machine, the military-industrial-congressional complex that Eisenhower referred to when he didn't give a fuck because he was leaving the presidency. And and with that, you know, I think the dangerous thing that happened is that people who were asking questions in good faith without an angle were being called un-American for doing so, right? Mm-hmm. Or they were they were dismissed. They were called kooks and crackpots. And that's not how intelligent discourse should work. Yes, mm-hmm. there are tons of unanswered questions about this stuff. We know for a fact that the organizations, the alphabet soup of the United States government, they weren't working together at all they did not have the visibility that they should have had at the Mm -hmm. very least you can read multiple confirmed reports this is on the record you can read multiple confirmed reports where various people were saying hey something's kind of fucky here i don't think we should you know i think we should pay attention to this and they wrote to some other agency and the other agency was like oh cool story bro we'll get to it maybe on you know thursday or whatever and then the towers fell. Uh, mm-hmm. There is, it doesn't look to me, yes, the truth needs to be conclusively proven. The good faith questions need to be answered to the best of the ability, right? We cannot dismiss people for asking questions. That is not how discourse works. However, we would be intellectually fraudulent if we did not admit that a shit ton of money and a shit ton of people uh, moved very quickly. Like a, a lot of people took the opportunity in the chaos to get power. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And that itself is uh, is uh, not a conspiracy theory. It is a genuine conspiracy. It is to the detriment of the American public and indeed to the world overall. I yes, know my time. Well said. Well said indeed. <laughs> 
fucked up, isn't it? I mean, to what extent do you think they was the American government were involved in it? Do you think they just let it happen rather than uh, instigated it in some way? Uh, I don't know. I want to be careful with that. I I don't know about mm-hmm. you, Brian, but I feel like, you know, um, I I feel like people sometimes misinterpret the role of the president, the president of the United States or POTUS as the street name and the acronym <laughs> um, often doesn't know as much as the American public wishes or assumes they did. Right. Um I, I, I genuinely don't know. And actually, um, assuming, assuming no shenanigans occur between now and January, we're going to be doing an episode on Project for a New American Century. Uh, I do think it's mission critical for people to be more aware of that think tank. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like the totality of the U.S. government knowing, absolutely not. As far as factions of the U.S. government having some sort of spidey sets or mm-hmm. some sort of valid concern, again, I'm not calling these guys villains. I'm saying that an operation like that, it's very difficult to orchestrate mm-hmm. without leaving some breadcrumbs of yeah. some sort. You know, and I mean, look at the flight plans. Look at how. Look at the Pentagon story. That sure was uh, that sure was a lot of bad improv the way that mm-hmm. got reported, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I like Connor. I appreciate you saying I'll, I'll throw to the boys in the states first, uh, and I don't want to like duck the question. I legitimately don't know, uh, Brian. I agree with your points, but it, it just seems logically the idea that the totality of a leviathan like the u.s government like it it seems weird to me and it's asking a lot to say that the quote-unquote u.s government the whole thing Mm -hmm. knew what was going to happen now as far as like some of our friends in the company and the cia etc etc i don't know it's a different story i don't know Mm -hmm. i genuinely do not know yeah man yeah so good answer good answer I think uh, if you go back and you watch when uh, President uh, Bush is told in a kindergarten class mm-hmm. that that not, you know basically the war has started. If you watch his face, in my opinion, it's very genuine and like disbelief. So mm-hmm. if this was allowed to happen, it's on the top tier. The supposedly, if you're really into conspiracy, then you're. You probably know that some people have always talked about what doesn't matter really from the presidents, whoever is elected president, they still get sat down by whoever and are told these are the things we talk about. These are the things that we don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So whatever was going on during that time frame, it it seems like somehow it had to have been allowed, in my opinion, because building seven, when you when you do that uh, controlled demolition, that takes weeks to do. Mm-hmm. And it did seem like when those buildings came down the way that they did, that that was a, a, a controlled demolition, just like you've probably seen time and time again in like Las Vegas, where they blow up, they implode a giant hotel uh, so that they make sure that it implodes on itself. And when I saw that in real time, it just seemed that way. 
Um, I don't know if any of you other guys are, uh, Ben seems like he's about my age, kind of remembering that in real time, there was just something that didn't make sense. All of a sudden the, the hijack, you know, the hijackers pictures were up on there. I felt like really quickly from a, yeah. a giant grand scale of terror attack. I mean, they were, it was on the news immediately. And then came out all these things like, oh, look at this Bible that supposedly, you know, survived and all these little trinkets and things and memoirs. And uh, I believe they was even saying like one of their passports supposedly was found. Uh, right. I just, that was really hard to believe. And, and you know, today kind of taking myself back to when that happened, I, I remember like the spidey sense was up, like something was up that day mm. and it did seem like things changed in America. And yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, do you know, when I think about the, the nature of like my own personal beliefs and how the world functions, uh, and uh, there's a small head in the hand of individuals who have the mass power, I think they see 9-11 as the greatest victory, the greatest celebration of, of their power. Um, because personally, like, again, it's all personal opinion, but I, I think that was kind of like it's, like, it's an orchestrated event well above governmental fucking influence and that kind of thing. It's like that thing where you can have a, I think we mentioned it before, where you have like Nike all across the fucking world and you have regional managers inside of Nike. And then, but right at the very top of the fucking hierarchy of the entire corporation, they'll have way more knowledge than the, the local regional elements. And even though the regional elements seem powerful, you know, um, and mm -hmm. I think that's the same network of information that happens with these kind of things. I mean, you've got that board game, the Illuminati fucking board game, I think it was like 93 or 94, yeah, there's a yeah. fucking, the towers are all exploded on it, and then you've got the numerous fucking uh, similar symbology through tons of films, tons of, I mean, you can get the, put one of those pictures up from Google Images, and you've got fucking tons of different films that came out that have got towers exploding, tons of little animations and kids cartoons and shit like that. You know, this, this programming element that seems mm. to be you know, present. The Simpsons did it, you know, that 9-11 fucking imagery. Um, and that's, that's my own personal belief. I don't believe any of these things are, like, these mass fucking international things. It's like, there's a small group of individuals that run the world, and 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 whether or not they're fucking, you know, and that's that's what the Epstein thing is. It's, there's a sacrificial element, there's a thing. I mean, in fact, that's a good thing. There's like, so I think his name was um, Aaron Russell, or Ethan Russell, and he did um, Trading Places. He was like the director, and he was good friends with, with uh, Rockefeller, I think, um, a Rothschild, one of these guys, and uh, and the uh, before he died, it was in two thousand and seven. He died, so he was doing this interview. I think it was with uh, Alex Jones, and he was describing how the fact that they were discussing this this situation of like nine eleven, and he was like, "Don't fly, you know, around America, around New York, around this time when they were having dinner, and he's saying that there's going to be like people looking for people in caves and shit." And he's and then as Aaron's describing this interview, this discussion with his friend, that's why they were having this discussion. Um, that you know, he's laughing, and he's like, "Why are you laughing? How's that? People going to die?" He's like, "Why do you care about them? They don't care about you." You know, they don't care about your family, so just take care of your own family. You know, it's a power game. It's like the mass representation of the game Risk that we're dealing with. It's like mm. children. You know, it's like the 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 nature of how children interact through the through play, you know, a capital P. That's it's no much different, it seems, as an adult. You know, if you're out even I mean you see it in the work environment. That's the most intimate display of that when you're the the, the manager representation towards the colleague. It's childlike and it's power displays, you know, and it's and it's it's just it's really interesting. I, 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 when it comes to that things like nine eleven, I mean the list. This would be a fifteen-hour podcast if we went through the list of things that were unusual on that event. Mm -hmm. No, even mm -hmm. the, like, I think I don't know. One of you guys mentioned it before about the length of time it takes for the planes to fucking one plane's off course ninety seconds. There's two planes next to it. That kind of shit. You know, and then it's like the list goes on and on. There's like fucking lava spewing out the ground twelve weeks later. You know, a heat that wouldn't be able to be produced as a consequence of this. Um, How come the, all these Saudi nationals got to leave? 
right? Mm-hmm. How yeah, come that was yeah, the exactly, exactly. There's so many, so many strange things, man. Like they say, one of the official stories for the towers collapsing is the plane hits it, and yeah, I kind of can believe the the, the official narrative: the plane hit the jet fuel, set fire to loads of office equipment. Over the time of it burning, it weakened the steel, which buckled away from the core, causing the floors to collapse, and that's how it fell. But that doesn't explain why, like the, the core of the building wasn't left standing. If the floors buckled away from the core, why wasn't the core? left standing mm. you know that that doesn't make sense but Even i the don't time frame, know the time frame is 90 <laughs> minutes all this happened inside of 90 minutes buildings fell man but fucking dust inside of two hours Mm. Like, like even the like Larry Silverstein, I think that's the guy that owned the building. Yeah. They were like a huge insurance policy the week before, mm. and then he fucking he's, this guy's made fucking billions as a consequence of this incident happening. And I think I said that in the last time where it's like if yeah. if you did that with like a pub or a restaurant, and it was like oh the manager took out a fucking huge insurance policy the week before, he'd be the first guy you'd be speaking to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like really unusual set of circumstances. Um, that's that's. All around this thing, the you know footage from the ground when you see explosions, like fucking little pockets, you know that kind of and, shit. And you know the Pentagon being hit when it's one of the most heavily surveilled buildings in the world, and they could never find a good video of uh, a plane hitting it. Yeah, and yeah. the thing at the BBC we were talking about that earlier. There was a woman on that when there was World Trade Center Seven. It was like fifteen minutes before it fell. It's over her right shoulder, and she's given the oh, and we've just had breaking news. What Building Seven's just fell, and oh, we can't believe it. Blah blah. But it's still over her fucking right shoulder, still standing. You know, it was fifteen minutes. This mm. was, you know, this is like how the fuck? Come on, man. There's only so well, much. It, it's been over twenty years since nine eleven, and buildings similar to it have caught fire. Have we heard of any of them falling over? <laughs> what about before know, then? You know, know like fucking defy physics the, the length of time it took once it was hit to then hit the ground. You know, like less than ten oh, seconds. Oh yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently, oh. uh, it was like free fall speed. Yeah, uh, but, I don't know. It's you know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult one. You guys brought up Larry Silverstein. There's a um, it's really hard to find nowadays, but there's an interview with him after 9/11, and he's saying uh, after building towers, you know, one and two have collapsed. They're asking him what he wants to do with building seven. And he uses the verbiage, uh, we've had such a loss of life that we made the decision to pull. And he said that verbatim, at least the pull part of that. And that is the part where all the architects and stuff are saying that there had to have been already something in place because there's no way to be able to do that within just a couple hours. Mm-hmm. So if if you guys want to kind of go back and watch some of those early, I believe it was on Loose Change where they show that stuff. But be careful because mm-hmm. there's a lot of bullshit in that movie too. Yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. but there's an interview there with Silverstein where you can see from his own words where he's saying there's been such an uh, unfortunate loss of life that the decision was made to pull and we pulled. And mm-hmm. that's um that's very telling in my opinion of what was going on because how the hell would. You know, how is that going to happen? There wasn't a jet that hit number seven, yet it fell exactly like the other two. Mm-hmm. At free fall speed, by the way, but all of them fell at free fall speed, which, again, people are way smarter than me that can explain all of that. But that is a that just doesn't happen with with the structures, uh, supposedly, the, you know, with the, the the ultimate sky rise type buildings. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just don't fall down like that. And that also contradicts the um, the official conclusion in the U.S. now. Like if you ask Uncle Sam, the answer for the Building 7 conundrum 
is going to be uh, something like debris falling from the towers that were hit, hit building seven, and then started the fire and somehow made the whole thing collapse, which honestly beggars <laughs> belief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn. It, but it's also terrible to think that this was a, in any way an inside job and a government would allow or, you know, a section of the government would allow something like this to take place. But Yeah, but ask ourselves why also, mm-hmm. um, why people don't find that beyond the pale. You know, this is the same country that committed the Tuskegee experiments, right? This is mm-hmm. the same country that did things like Operation Large Area Coverage, where they sprayed contaminants across uh, disadvantaged neighborhoods and places like St. Louis and all over uh, just to see what would happen, just to fuck around and find out. And then they were like, you know what we should do? We should just give people LSD. We'll keep it <laughs> illegal, but let's make sure we dose people without their consent. So like the U.S. unfortunately has a hell of a track record of mm-hmm. doing some pretty uh, villainous uh, sketchy things so i i think there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking those questions absolutely and i think if mm-hmm. someone tries to shut it down then i would question their motives mm-hmm. that's it man there's nothing wrong with ask, asking questions and just discussing these things to see what kind of conclusions we can come up with and i think the majority of people are just have a just a short discussion about 9-11 and you'll find things that just don't fucking make sense man it just doesn't add up too much of it doesn't add up. What's quite interesting as well is the you know the level of I don't know what happened is the same as it was on day one. Like I remember when after everything that you know the, the event happened, it was the next day. All of these questions were there immediately of like what was this? Why is that there? What's going on? Da, 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 and nothing got answered. It was like immediately everything was muted, you know. And then as time went on, more things was muted because editing, you know, certain articles were taken down and things were changed, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's really interesting the conversation we have now. It's it's almost identical to then. Yeah. You know, one of the things that pops to mind is when like the the first like Bush and, and Cheney never ever did interviews alone. Uh, one of the things where one of they kept attacking Bush if I remember <laughs> correctly, where it was like we asked you to interview yourself, and he's like, no, 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 and he just kept. Is that, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cheney, who famously uh, got away with shooting that guy in the face, right, and has a has also <laughs> anyway. We could go on about our pal richard but (laughs) but uh i i think that is that is really that is a good point there is this again there there is this public perception but people as individuals and governments as entities have always only been the stories that we tell ourselves right that's why Mm -hmm. mythos is such an important aspect of any culture or any person's identity so with that we have to ask like why is it verboten why is it anathema for anybody to say hey i think that's kind of fucked up you know explain to me what happened were the reporters genuinely just mistaken about explosives on the George Washington Bridge? How come so much footage has been covered up? If the official narrative is entirely um, entirely immune to interrogation, if it is waterproof, then why are certain aspects of intelligence operations leading to nine, the anniversary leading to the events of September 11th. Why is that information still classified? 
These are fair questions to ask. And to mm -hmm. pretend that that is not the case is fundamentally misleading. And at that point, I would, again, question the motive of the person who is trying to gatekeep it. Mm -hmm. Crazy shit, man. Crazy shit. Is, maybe is, they said, maybe they said, look, man, you don't want to get Kennedy. Do you, George? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Play along. All right. Dick's Let's change Kennedy that right term now. It's not Kennedy anymore. It's uh, Epstein now. It's Epstein. You're right. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, I got to catch up with the pop culture. I mean, just to add on top of the list, the weird peculiarities of timekeeping. Like, was it not George Bush's dad that he was the first person to ever mention New World Order? And he, and he said the New mm -hmm. World Order, 1999, 1991, the 11th, 11th of September, at like 10 past nine in the morning, I think. I, I, this no. um, and it was like Surely 10 years, not. 10 years sure. to the moment. And I think that's one of the things where in my mind, I always think it's like that like um secret society symbolism thing where it's like um the whole basis behind their in, their, their intentions is kind of like a, a magician where they'll tell you what's going to happen they then do this thing and then they then you know that there's no bother you know, there's, there's a thing after it where they're just now they're in control if it's that's part of the thing we're going to tell you what we're going to do then we're going to do it because we're so powerful mm -hmm. but you know regardless of what happened on the day i'm sure we can all agree it was a tragedy and yeah, a, a few thousand people lost their fucking lives, man, and that yeah. is tragic. So we don't want anybody thinking about we've made light of it or anything like that, because that is always at the back of our minds when we have discussions like this. But, you know, just uh, just have a discussion about these things. I hope we haven't offended anybody, because we, you know, we don't mean to, and it's a touchy subject. People lost family members in this shit, man. It's, it's madness, and it wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> it, it seems crazy, but it's like over twenty years ago now. You know, like like you say, we can all probably remember when it happened. Remember seeing it on the TV, and like that was over twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think this is why it's important to understand that they should be spoken about because there's so many people that lost their lives. You know, it's like that mm -hmm. that that warrants continuous investigation until you figure out what goes on. Yeah. Until everybody's happy with the answers, if that's ever going to be a possible thing, you know. I think people also underestimate the power of um, certain families and things. Mm. Uh, Prescott Prescott Bush uh, was really the the patriarch of that family. Uh, went mm. to Yale, became what's known as a bonesman. Uh, they 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 call it tapping. So they tapped fifteen people, no more, no less, each and every year. So Prescott Bush, um, his his son uh, George W. Bush, and then his son George uh, Walker Bush. Uh, we're all uh, Yale at Yale as bonesmen. And there's something to that. Uh, there's something to sp specifically that university at Yale. Um, there's some creepiness to it. They're all about like, you know, hanging out in coffins and just doing weird shit in coffins and stuff. And I hope you guys kind of research that because mm -hmm. a lot of presidents or people in power have been tapped or picked within that uh, secret society. And there's more than just the bonesmen. But the Yale mm -hmm. one seems to be extremely uh, specific in the fact that you actually get to become uh, like a level of power. So it's not even, especially with certain families, they already have uh, immense wealth. So they want their children to go to these uber, uber elite schools and get into these uber, uber elite um, societies because it opens up to these doors to potentially becoming like a president. You saw that with the Kennedys. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, you know, if you kind of study that a little bit, it seemed like they were kind of going after that same power. Uh, the Bushes seem to, for whatever reason, be more in line with the CIA. And I would imagine that was because 
uh, Walker Bush, his father, ran the CIA. So uh, potentially there's nobody that's going to kill him when he kind of understands that level where Kennedy didn't have that same knowledge or clout. Uh, let me also uh, to first off completely, uh, completely back up what you're saying, Brian, on uh, the skull and bones. Mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. is uh, uh, ostensibly the U.S. is a representative democracy. And the argument there is that the people elected to public office are elected based on merit rather than nepotism. It is incredibly embarrassing to talk with folks who are not from the U.S. and say things like, um, you know, when Kerry was running, John Kerry, the uh, ketchup guy, was running against George Bush, they were both, to Brian's point, they were both in skull and bones, and they mm. refused to talk about it in the few interviews where it was mentioned. Uh, also, it's pr it's pretty hilarious, gallows humor style, that in a democracy, in a purported meritocracy, one guy becomes president, and then his son becomes president. Mm. Out of more than 330 million mm -hmm. people, that guy was the best one for the fucking job. I don't know. I just. Yeah. Uh, and it's having the Clintons, you know, you had Bill Clinton and then the, the potentially his wife could have become president as well. It's, sure. Out yeah. of all of the people in the USA. How are they related to each other like that? that surely that shouldn't work. That shouldn't ever happen. But it does. I'm, I'm just saying vote for Brian, folks. Yes. I'd vote for you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the other weird part of American politics is it seems like you have to be just a complete narcissist, uh, only care about yourself kind of thing, always climbing that ladder and have had to have built up that skill set probably over decades to become president of the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many intelligent people that have gone from rags to riches. I mean, imagine making a billion dollars in one lifetime. You know, I mean, there's something... Mm -hmm to that and there's been so many people on the planet that have been able to achieve that um but those people don't ever seem to want to even be in the spotlight i think it's comical when you see like the forbes wealthiest lists and the, <laughs> right. the people that actually have real wealth and real power are never on that list so there's a there's a hierarchy in the shadows that i think hopefully after today more people will start to see that it exists whether you want to go down the rabbit hole or stay naive, I, I could understand both ways, to be honest, uh, because you're not going to be able to affect it in any way. You know, I mean, the mm -hmm. things are going to happen in the world and maybe you'll start to see more patterns if you kind of go down that rabbit hole and see that there's some kind of usually, uh, you know, problem. And then there's a solution. And then it seems like less uh, freedoms and liberties for citizens and then rinse and repeat. And they do it over a multiple uh, variety of things, not just one. Mm -hmm. yeah well said that's it there's so many things to talk about man we've been here for two hours now we've been here for a whole two hours so even though there's loads of more things to be talking about i'm sure we don't want to be sitting here all night doing this but i thought we could briefly discuss each other's favorite conspiracy theory or you know the one which uh you prefer to read about the, the or lock up youtube videos about the most which one is it what were you saying connor you got a, a favorite conspiracy theory it sounds like you're into the whole Kabbalah uh, kind of thing, you know, controlling all the celebrities. Yeah, yeah to be honest, that's, that's probably my fucking favourite conspiracy theory, I think, because um, mm. you see it through music, you know, explicitly. Mm. You see it through that kind of stuff with the fucking concerts and shit. 
you know, mainstream music that's controlled through fucking main organizations and shit like that. But just to, to be honest, once you start with one, you kind of it's like a web, man. You know, you're right across the fucking network of like how how is the world functioning? You know, mm-hmm. if this is this way, you know, that kind of shit. So yeah, I think the whole cabal shit is it's it's the most entertaining, man. It's the yeah. most magic and shit. You know, that's fucking <laughs> that's like a fucking movie, man. Why that's you know, that's fun. You know, like are they standing in the dark rooms with the cloaks on and I guess, well, yeah. you've seen that stuff, man. Surely you've seen Alex Jones with the fucking, mm-hmm. what was it, that Bohemian Grove and they're all standing with cloaks on mm-hmm. owls and shit. You know, it's... Yeah, man. <laughs> fucking weird Moloch shit, man. the owl and shit. Yeah. yeah. Alex Jones yeah, legend, by the way. You know, Alex Jones, man. So uh, what did you say? Like, Alex Jones is a legend, man. I like Alex Jones. Uh, oh, I think he's, he's fucking he's hilarious. He cracks me up. He's obviously done things in the past that uh, wasn't right. And we all know what we're talking about there. But you know he's he's been correct about a lot of things. You know he's made a lot of predictions in the past, which have ended up being true. And and nowadays he's just funny. The shit he says, how he presents himself, I just laugh at him most of the time. I mean he's a character, and I think (laughs) to have a conspiracy fucking conversation podcast without mentioning him is like I don't know what that is. (laughs) It's like against the rules of physics or some shit. What's that? (laughs) Just to have a, a conversation about conspiracy theory and not have his name in the conversation. That guy's oh, like king conspiracy theory, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it took us like an hour and a half to first mention him because I noticed when his name came up, I was like, oh, damn, we can't, we can't this five about mentioning Alex Jones? Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. What are you saying? What are you saying over there, Brian? What's your favorite conspiracy? What are you into the most? Yeah, I would say um, the thing that I enjoy researching the most and being able to see a lot of... Uh, I guess real proof is something called the Bilderberg group mm. uh, where they always downplay certain things. They rent out the entire hotels. It's always like, you know, if it's a five-star hotel in the city, they make sure that they're staying at the six star and then they may uh, protect it with their own private guards. We're talking visible AK 47s uh, mm-hmm. almost, almost at the level of like military garb. Um, and it's not necessarily all the like, it's very interesting. So there's people that are in that, um, in the Bilderberg group, by the way, the, it's called Bilderberg because they're so secretive. They don't even have a name. They're just called Bilderberg because that's where the, the first hotel was the Bilderberg hotel. So that's, you know, where that yeah, name yeah. comes from, but the, the money and power that's in that room and the influential things that go on, it seems like from year to year, they are handpicking cherry picking, those elite, the people that mm-hmm. pop off. So like a Zuckerberg, once Facebook started to pop off, you know, they invite those that level of um, IT and, and they want to know those things. But they also make sure that that power stays balanced within the people that have been running it for a long time. So just because you got uh, invited in 2022 doesn't mean that you would necessarily be invited in 2023. And it's kind of a, like a who's who. Uh, and the media is a complete blackout. It's usually one, yeah. 100 of some of the most elite people, again, for that year, meeting in total secret. And there are brave journalists that go out of their way to show this in real time and record people coming in. Uh, the most famous one, I think, that's been, you know, if you research, you know, that's done war crimes and stuff was a gentleman named Henry Kissinger that just passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy is, uh, you know, next level criminal. And he mm-hmm. seemed to be kind of behind the scenes of a lot of the, the Bilderberg stuff uh, yeah. in his heyday. That's it, man. And you see all this shit with the WEF as well, the we, the World Economic Forum. It's like they're connected. It's as if the Bilderbergs come out of the shadows a little bit and became the WEF. 
That's how it feels, man. It, it's a very strange organization. They definitely got their fingers in a lot of pies and seems as if the governments are controlled in some way. It's like, I think, Ben, did you bring up earlier when uh, all the different news networks and how they all have the same narrative? I'm sure you've all seen that video where there's like mm-hmm. 50 different news channels all saying the same thing. You know, this is a threat to our democracy. And it, it, each channel comes up and it, it just shows they're all reading from the same script. All these different channels, like 50 different news channels saying exactly the same thing. It's crazy shit, man. It, it, they control our narrative, you know, they control what we, it's like Twilight Zone. No, what was it? It's not Twilight Zone, it's the other one. Was it uh, Paranormal? Outer Limits. Outer that's... Limits, that's the one. Yeah, we, we, we control what you see and what you hear, that mm. kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's too true. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the things we're mentioning about the Bilderberg Group uh, could also apply to, you know, Davos, to the Trilateral Commission, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The um, the truth of the matter is, you know, when we look into ultimate arbiters of power, ultimate controlling interest, we need look no further than, you know, to a, a, a less scary example of the consolidation uh, and capture of mass media would be your trip to your grocery store, whatever your grocery store is in your neck of the global woods. When you walk down an aisle, let's say you're walking down the cereal aisle, it looks like there are dozens and dozens and dozens of different brands. The reality is that those apparent dozens of brands are owned by a very small number, mm-hmm. a very small number of very large uh, interest with a lot of financial he- uh, heft, a lot of a lot of effects. And I, and I would posit then that in the case of these inter uh, or transnational organizations that stand astride public policy and private enterprise, they they are a messy spaghetti bowl of Venn diagrams. Just like after a certain amount of income, people tend to be on multiple shareholder boards and they they have conflicts of interest that they don't care about and never get held to account on. A lot of those folks who may be, because um, Brian's absolutely right. You when you get invited to when you get invited to a, a Bilderberg summit once, it doesn't mean you get invited necessarily back the next year but these folks who do uh get uh access to this thing then they will inevitably also be on other transnational organizations Mm -hmm. the web expands the communication does not stop it's kind of like humanity said we have slime molds at home let's build our own network i'm doing Mm -hmm. a callback i don't know if it works (laughs) Yeah, it, it works. It works. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's just, um, it's like you said, man. Maybe we are just the NPCs, and them are the guys who are actually playing the game. You know, I no, I, I, I reject that. There is power in communication. There is power <laughs> in collective action. There are, there are. We have to remember the great commonalities, right? Everybody you meet, they have more in common with you mm-hmm. than they than they don't have. Right. We all want the same stuff. People want food, shelter, security, opportunity, a better life for their kids. And those commonalities, those uniting factors 
I believe, I, I fundamentally believe, not to sound too, you know, sanctimonious or whatever, but I fundamentally believe those are more important than the differences. They far outweigh the differences. And I, I have to recuse myself, unfortunately, from uh, picking a favorite conspiracy theory because I'm a dog with a ball on these things, you know? <laughs> like an octopus with a shell. I don't know. But uh, but the 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 thing that we have to remember is that we are not passive receptacles or receivers of the world around us. We do have agency. We have collective power. We can make the world a better place. I don't, you know what, guys, you can't maybe see me here, but I accidentally started doing the presidential band <laughs> um, that people like that U.S. presidents do. Sorry, I got, you know what, I think the coffee is getting the better of me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Yeah, man, they don't do that so much anymore. What's the new thing they do? Do they point with their fingers slightly out, like rather than they, point with their whole finger? It's it's bent instead. You know, you know, you see that shit. It's less aggressive. They, they point at no one and just pretend. Like I saw a a body language expert say that Hillary Clinton is like an expert at this. Because it makes you think that she's seeing people that actually like her and agree with her. Like, oh, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Clapping. But they showed the other side of the video. And she's literally just staring off above the crowd pretending to see mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So everything is a show, man. To me, oh, it's yeah. always kind of been like the WWF. That's what mm -hmm. I grew up with. You know, where two, two uh, different opponents come out. And they're basically, it's all a stage. And it's all bullshit. And some people get so wrapped up in it that they think it's real. And yeah. that's what I think a lot of our politics have become is that they don't think that there's uh, somebody behind the scenes kind of kind of laughing. I mean, look at how uh, Hillary Clinton and Obama were towards each other. And then, of course, things changed. Mm -hmm. Or then Chris Christie. And I'm not, you know, both sides to me are fucked up. I hate when people try to pigeonhole you because you're bringing up mm -hmm. something. But then you got Chris Christie. Right. And he mm -hmm. all of a sudden dick rides Trump as soon as all that stuff is over with. And now it's back to like talking shit again. So yeah. this kind of stuff to me is like if you believe that somebody has your interests at heart, that that you actually know their name. I, I don't think in American politics that's real anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I and it doesn't really matter to me anymore who who comes in or who goes out. It seems like the agenda, the people that are behind the scenes, that's that's steamrolling no matter no matter mm -hmm. who's in. And they probably at this point love it when we're sitting here pointing fingers and um, arguing with one another on social media because they're able to, it seems like to get things passed or to uh, set themselves up to eventually have it to where uh, like a cashless society, uh, you need um, social points. Um, there's somebody from BlackRock that's big on that where he thinks like companies and eventually human beings need to have like a social score mm -hmm. and companies mm -hmm. are already signing up for this. So a lot of the weird shit is already happening behind the scenes and not many people, uh, you know, unfortunately want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But like Sesame Credit in the PRC in China, Sesame Credit is exactly a social system that BlackRock and um, various other thought leaders are attempting to emulate. Uh, we have to remember that when Sesame Credit started, it was an opt in system right until it became mandatory for mm -hmm. the residents of China. And I would say, Fucked. you know, yeah, maybe I'm being uh, naive about it, but I would say there is still sincerity and genuine good faith efforts on the part of local um, local political operators. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the people yeah. who are mm -hmm. 
the people who are not trying to be president, right? The people who don't, uh, to be very crass, the people who don't stare at themselves in the mirror, right? You know, rubbing their nipples and talking to themselves about how great they are or whatever. Mm-hmm. There, there are good people around. And it's just, it's true that the division works for the status quo. It works for the people in power. They want you to think it's wrestling. They want you to cheer the way you're cheering a sports team instead of looking at stuff like actual policy, long-term consequences of things, very, very serious stuff. And I think, I don't know, man, you know, it's like, I think I'm starting to practice optimistic nihilism, you know, like, ah, do your best, whatever happens, we'll see. Um, but I've got to say, it it has been an absolute pleasure to hang out with you guys and to talk about this some of this stuff because the points that all four of us have raised at some juncture in this conversation is that it should be talked about. People should mm-hmm. be concerned about this. You know why? Like to your point, Brian. You know who doesn't get elected to positions in U.S. government, some of the most powerful people in U.S. government. You can never directly vote for a Supreme Court justice. You as a U.S. citizen or resident will never vote for the guy in charge of the CIA. That is a decision Mm. above your political pay grade, and maybe that's a problem. Yeah. Very good point, man. That deep state, that whole deep state thing is a problem, allegedly. People are talking about that a lot more nowadays, I've noticed. You've seen that, I'm sure. Mm, no I think a lot of people saw that it was real, uh, whether you love him or hate him, when Trump was elected. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that that was not supposed to happen. Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. was supposed to win by a landslide. She was so arrogant in her entire campaign that it made it seem like she already knew that the you know the fix was in the way that they did um, uh, Bernie. Uh, just kind of mm-hmm. the, you know their own their own party and stuff. Everybody on that side of things knew that until election night that clinton was supposed to be president that was crazy man i I remember you know i'm into american politics and i was watching the votes come in and it got late so i was like right i'm gonna go to bed it's obviously gonna be hillary in it (laughs) when i got up in the morning it was like trump wins i'm like no no really (laughs) the guy from home alone too you know what (laughs) but damn that was a, it was an interesting election, man. It's going to be definitely interesting in 2024 as the next year approaches. It's got some wild things going on in the USA politics, and it's possible that we might even have a general election over here in the UK. Mm. We'll see what happens. We don't get them very often. We're just stuck with the shit we've got. But anyway, <laughs> that's a different story altogether. We've discussed some cool things today, man, but we've still got so many other things to discuss. I hope we can get together and do this again sometime, man. I know everybody's busy with their own podcast and stuff. I really appreciate you guys coming to just spend some time to chat some shit. Yeah, I hope we can do it no, again sometime, man. Appreciate the invite, man. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's fun. But, uh, what, we didn't get no JFK, damn moon landings, the whole COVID thing. Jesus. You know, so, so many other things we still need to cover yet. Yeah, yeah let's Black get the Rock band was back mentioned, together. you know, uh, Black Rock, Vanguard, and uh, damn, so many rabbit holes to go down. So, yeah, I'd love to do this again some other time if you're up for it, lads. We can organize something. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Rover Reporter oh, okay. says 12 hour New Year special. Uh, no, about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just you're to make sure we go through right. everything, you know. Keep your edible for them. <laughs> Shit. 
Yeah, check your edible now, Ben. What are you saying? You're going to have your uh, your edible? Well, uh, to all our friends in the chat who may be working for the alphabet, uh, I refuse to answer. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 might get into, I might get really into reggae and spoken word yeah. later. What, uh, what even yeah. is an edible? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what? I, I don't speak English. I'm sorry, officer. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, we're going to have adventures, but yeah, like you said, um, really appreciate this conversation. And I do hope uh, if I haven't uh, class, if I haven't slummed up the show too much, I do hope <laughs> we can we can get the band back together in uh, 2024. Yeah, Either man. way you look at it, it's going to be a hell of a year. Nice. Yeah, well, man, I see. I don't want to get too much into, into the politics. We can do that on the next show. Because I, I love the American politics. We should do an election night special. That's what we should do. You see, in 2024, when election <laughs> oh, night comes, we'll stream uh, live and monitor the results. Oh, my God. It's going to be wild. It's going to be what? <laughs> uh, see, you get me going now. I, I love it. I do. We're going to have somebody from the Democratic Party. Can't, I don't think Biden's running again, but maybe he is. Who knows? Might be Gavin Newsom. But yeah, then you have Vivek Ramaswamy. Very popular, man. He seems to be rising in popularity all the time. And then uh, RFK running as independent. You know, goddamn. It's, uh, it's you know, it's kind of weird. What's kind of weird with RFK, the way obviously his entire family kind of has gone throughout life, is that uh, supposedly he has a stalker, somebody that he feels like is a threat. Mm. And even though he's a presidential, uh, presidential candidate, uh, he's not allowed to have Secret Service protection. Yeah. The only pre the only presidential nominee in history who has uh, been denied secret service protection, I think. That's just like very that. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just very odd concerning like his family history. Yep. Some of yep. the things that he obviously says, and people a lot of people say uh, wild stuff. Nikki Haley yeah. says some wild ass shit. You know, it seems mm -hmm. like she's more uh, front and center for the establishment. So yes. Sounds like yeah, we definitely need knows. an election day special <laughs> when that time comes. But yeah, it's been a pleasure. Everybody needs to do a shout out and let everybody know where to find your stuff. Brian, do you want to go first and where people can find your channel and, and more information from you? Sure. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be on a gentleman. His name is Peter. He created something called the Future Cannabis Project, uh, and he allows uh, a, a ton of bright minds to be on his platform. Marco and I are lucky enough to have a show, weekly show, uh, on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock uh, p.m. Mountain Time. And we go about three hours and we interview some of the best and brightest in the cannabis space featuring like a living soil, uh, Korean natural farming, regenerative farming. My co-host uh, has won a championship, a national championship, uh, mm -hmm. where he's the, you know, the grand champion. He has the belts to prove it and stuff. So I just think there's a, a lot to that show. We try to be as candid as possible. We've had Mackie on the show. Uh, so he can testify that it's always candid. There's no questions beforehand. And if you don't know your stuff, then it, it's going to come out in those three hours. And we're proud of that. <laughs> uh, I also own a company called Rubber Ducky Isopods. Uh, we specialize in the rare and exotic. So if you want to use decomposers, reach out to me because the basic gray ones that you find outside, those are detrimental to your grow. But there are a bunch of uh, high-end, what, what's kind of considered designer isopods that you can put into your grow that would be beneficial, like composting worms or springtails. Nice. Yes, man, check that shit out. What are you saying, Connor? You want to tell everybody where they can go find Canaman TV? 
Yeah, so you can uh, you can find Canaman TV on YouTube. Um, I've got the podcast there. Um, you can also go on the website, and that's where the Canaman animation series is. So I'm halfway through series two. I'm going to be uploading series two, episode five. Um, I think on Boxing Day that'll be on the website. You nice. can also access the the movie on the website as well. And uh, it's essentially it's one paywall, it's a a tenner a month, and you can get season one and two, all the behind the scenes footage, and also um the movie as well. But uh, yeah, YouTube and the website. Nice. You're also professional with your outros, man. What are you, what are you saying, Ben? Well, yeah. where can everybody uh, go and find you, mate? Sure. Yeah, you can find uh, you can find me and a motley crew of uh, various interested parties on shows like Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, where we practice conspiracy realism. You can also check out our book available at uh, whatever your local bookstore is uh, called in a burst of creativity, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. If that's not quite your bag of badgers, <laughs> uh, find me on Ridiculous History, which is exactly what it sounds like, uh, Connor Mackey thought of you guys one of our very first episodes was a stoner question we asked each other uh my co-host and i looked at each other one night and we said why do british lawyers wear those wigs uh they're called mm. perukes we learned all about it i uh, think so- i know why i can answer because <laughs> of yeah, syphilis yeah, right because yeah. of syphilis because they'll get holes in their head from catching the nasty form of syphilis and they wear big wigs Seven. instead some of the syphilis, some of the lice, and then it just became a flex. But uh, but good yeah, times. So, uh, good times, good times. So check those out. Um, you can also you can also of course find us on any social meds uh, or whatever, like whatever your favorite poison of choice is in the dopamine casino of online nice. communication. Mm-hmm. I love that time as well. I heard you mention it on one of your episodes recently. The dopamine casino. This is what you're calling it now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i mean nice. it's, uh, chalk that up for the next time we get together mm-hmm. because that's a great conspiracy to discuss as well oh yeah see there's still so much man it's been epic i'll put the music on for everybody so uh they can fade away all professionally as we because we're so professional over here thank you everybody for coming to join us make sure you go check out everybody's podcast especially if you need to get growing as well lots of good information over there on the brian and marco show every wednesday yes man and uh, of course we got Connor there with his movie that's been released and we just did an interview with Connor I think it was the last one to get released so if you go to highonhomegrown.com or you find us on any one of your favourite downloading places then you'll be able to get that interview with Connor and of course there's Ben we, we, we've had on the show in the past as well there's an there's interview with Ben if you go to highonhomegrown.com slash interviews and see all the interviews there you'll see where Ben's episode is and you can just click that and download from Spotify and iTunes nice and easy but that's it for today. Thanks for joining us for the conspiracy special. Look forward to doing this again sometime soon, man. Getting super high and talking about more crazy shit. It's been epic. Mm-hmm. Have a good week, everybody. Stay high, stay safe. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. Cheers. You guys are awesome.